What's going on, everybody? Hi! It is August 16th, 2022. I'm Jeff Gerstmann. Welcome to The Jeff Gerstmann Show. How about that? Huh? Huh? Yeah, uh, we're here doing another episode of this thing. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm over here filling as I'm like, wait a minute, how do I stop? How do I make the music fade out again? Which button do I push for that? It's not the slider anymore because I put it over here on these buttons. So now the slider does something different. And here we are. Hi, I'm your host for this week, Jeff Gerstmann, uh, temporary host of the Jeff Gerstmann show. It's great to be here um, and filling in and uh, having a, a honestly a, a great time doing it. Um, I'm going to crack this open here. This is a, this is a repeat. Uh, I, I'm trying to clear out the cabinets here. And so my, my wife ended up getting a couple of these Sonic the Hedgehog G fuels. And so I'm going to crack open this other one cause it was okay. And, uh, hopefully this other one's okay. Maybe that should be the, the new energy drink ranking criteria is drink two of them across like a couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, see if it still makes sense. Hmm. Hmm. That doesn't taste great. That doesn't, that doesn't taste great. It's, uh, hmm. Well then. That's just gonna have to sit there for a, a little bit, I, I guess, and... Well, whatever. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep drinking it because that's what we do around here. We drink drinks, whether it's water or energy beverages. You know, face it, usually it's energy beverages because I am I am bad at remembering to bring water for the podcast. I am still bad at it, uh, but I did clear off more space on my desk so I can fit water here again. I need to buy a new bottle. Um, I washed my bottle and put we put it in the dishwasher and. Now the whole thing, everything I drink out of it just tastes like soap. So that thing's burned. Got to take that, throw it away, set it on fire, and uh, never speak of it again. You have to kind of have to buy a new one, and I guess not wash it or wash it by hand is the actual answer. Hand wash only. They mean it when they say it. You think it's like, well, whatever. This is like a metal thing. It's super resilient. It's not like it's gonna fall apart. You're like, oh, wait, no, they mean because it's going to retain the flavor of your dish soap for the rest of its days, and then you're really boned, and then you take this Zojirushi and shove it, as per the name of the film. Um, It's been an interesting week already. It's Tuesday, and uh, yesterday we recorded the... Re- most latest, the mostest latestest episode of Game Boys to Men. Glenn and I sat down and we talked about Nintendo and the NES and and how it kind of came into being and prominence and what Nintendo was like to work with around then to a certain extent. And we ended up talking about public access. There's a there's a and there is an an there's a description of a sketch we recorded uh, for our public access show that never saw the light of day in there that um, this it's maybe the first time I've talked about that since 
you know, 1991 or two or, or 1991, I guess it probably was. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll hit, uh, that'll hit over on Patreon a little bit later this week. Uh, I am making some minor fixes to it and, uh, adjusting the audio and trying out some different tools to adjust audio to see which one I like the best and all that sort of stuff. So that thing is just about ready. In fact, I think it might be actually ready now. I made one last tweak to it this morning and, and I was like, okay, this thing seems like it's good to go. So I'm, I'm going to give it a, another watch. It's a couple hours, like two, two and a half hours long. Uh, and, um, make sure it is, make sure I made the right edits. It's a chunky, it's, it's a, yeah, there's a, there's one bumpy edit in there that I'm, I'm probably not going to fix because I was trying to chop stuff out and, and put put it on keyframes and hope for the best and all that sort of stuff without, you know, having to reprocess the whole thing and render it all out. So, um, so that thing's just about ready. In prep for that, I ended up watching the documentary Console Wars. Um, we talk a little bit about it on the show, but not that much. So I thought I would just kind of talk a little bit about it here. It's, it came out in 2020, and it is a hour and a, an hour and a half version of the book Console Wars, which is mostly about kind of how Sega rose up to become a meaningful competitor it's basically like the very fast rise and fall of Sega. And it's interesting. You know, it, it's it hard. Documentaries are hard. I, at first when I was watching it, I was like, you know what? I know all this stuff already. <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, there, there's a lot of stuff in there. That's, that's definitely, um, I don't know. I, I guess I was, I was going to say it's absolutely common knowledge that uh that this is how things went between Nintendo and Sega and how Sega fucked themselves because they are cuz Sega of Japan was so stupid um and so hard to work with and and all of this other stuff but at the same time like yeah you know i guess like i i've the other interesting part was like most of the people they are interviewing in that thing are people i have met and so it was a weird feeling of like oh yeah right yes yep mhm Yep, this this they this she handled all of the PR and marketing or whatever for Sega internally and oh yeah Tom Kalinsky's here oh, okay yeah oh, yeah Peter Mayer's over yeah yes Howard Lincoln all of these folks um and so it was fascinating on that front but it, you know it was a fun way to kind of go back and kind of reacquaint myself with the era and um and kind of tap into that a little bit before we recorded because the yeah the the Sega stuff. The Sega stuff is uniquely crazy in in a way that like lasted a lot longer than the doc because the documentary only really goes up to like the launch of the Saturn. Like basically, it, the, that thing ends with saying like, and then Sony came in and kicked everybody's ass, you know, and 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 that was that's kind of the the cutoff point for it. By and large, it's about how you know Sega got their act together around the you know a little bit after the launch of the Genesis and started you know, taking market share away from Nintendo and, and all of this other stuff and kind of the transition from eight to 16 bit and how that all went. And, um, you know, you know, things in there, like if you've seen the advertisements and all that sort of stuff, the way Sega tried to tap into a certain type of attitude to appeal to a slightly older audience, you know, the attitude era of video games, I guess. And, um, 
it's interesting but you know you you hear and 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 these are were these are like versions of stories you would hear again near the end of the dreamcast i guess but from different people right as you hear tom kalinsky saying like yeah you know i i wanted to do this next and sega of japan was constantly finding ways to shoot holes in our plans and they didn't really have a plan of their own and then we ended up with the saturn and you know the, the one thing one of the few things in there that i didn't know was that sega took a meeting with silicon graphics before nintendo did at least that was the claim made in there which of course nintendo partnered with silicon graphics and that's how the n64 came about and all this other stuff but like they showed it to sega first and Sega of Japan looked at it and went like, nah. <laughs> and um, and kind of shot the whole thing uh, in the head right there. Because then they came up with a 32X. And then that led into Saturn, which didn't really get anything done. And, and so these stories about how working with the people that were running Sega in Japan was a nightmare. And, and how it was just at some point, just like, forget it. It's not worth my time anymore to... to bang my head against this wall um and not get anything done so i left you know like like those sorts of stories uh yeah definitely resonate and and are are pretty interesting as well so yeah console wars is a fun watch um again like you you might you might know a lot of this story already but hearing it from some of the people involved and hearing you know someone from nintendo say they wanted to fight fucking tom kalinsky in the street and shit <laughs> like you're like mm, okay yeah it, it was it was a rough and tumble business at times i suppose so um so maybe maybe give that give that a watch there's some some cool stuff in there and it'll kind of i think you know it's something that you know as you when when this this episode of game boys to men hits later this week um you know it'll kind of it, it's kind of tapping into the a similar time frame you know around the kind of end of the that the end of the 8-bit era that kind of transition into um into the snes and into the genesis and how nintendo was trying to hold on to basically the monopoly they had created through the 8-bit era um through lawsuits and 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 stuff of that nature we've also got some file footage from the era some news footage uh marco provided some of that thanks to marco for for putting for for grabbing some of that stuff and helping us out on the research front for sure um and yeah yeah console wars it's uh it's on streamings i think it's you know i i believe it is a paramount plus like by default but i think it's on other services as well i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure on that um but it is around and it's uh based on a book, all that sort of stuff. Why don't we take uh, a very quick break here? We'll get back. We're going to talk about some roller drone. We're talk about a little bit of that Spider-Man and uh, some other, some other video games. We'll be back in a moment. It's time to talk about sleep quality. Low quality sleep doesn't help anybody all that much. Really? You know, you're trying to get, a higher quality sleep, a nice restful snooze, a proper night of slumber, and your temperature at night is one of the things that can have the greatest impact on your sleep quality. Especially these wild, these wild hot nights. That's it's uh, it's a mess out there. That's why you should check out Miracle Brand's self cooling bed sheets. These are inspired by silver infused fabrics made by NASA. 
So Miracle Brand makes temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. That's right. Self-cooling. How does that, is that, what, you'd hook it up to a machine? No. Silver-infused fabrics that have originally developed by NASA, because you've got to keep cool in space. Everyone knows this. You don't want to be hot and sweaty in space. you got to keep it cool. Miracle Brand sheets are thermoregulating. They're designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, so you get better sleep every night. On top of that, they're self-cleaning. That natural silver in there can prevent 99.9% of bacterial growth. So they'll stay a little bit cleaner, about three times longer than other sheets. No more stink. You can leave them on the bed a little bit longer if you so desire. Wash them a little less frequently, which, hey, that's, you know, it's nice for the, the, the pocketbook running all these loads of laundry, using all this water. Ugh. Self-cleaning sheets. The future is now. Luxurious comfort and quality as well. That's right. These sheets don't have the high price tag of other luxury brands. But they've got the feel of a luxury brand. These sheets use a premium 500 thread count sateen weave that's made with USA-grown Sopima cotton, which is one of the highest quality cottons in the world. In the world of cotton, this is amongst the best. So it's all better for your skin on top of that. You know, we talk about getting rid of bacteria. So if you've got cleaner sheets and less bacteria to clog up your pores and stuff, that can lead to fewer breakouts and other skin problems, which is a nice tack-on side effect of like, hey, what if I got a nice, more restful sleep and my skin was a little less filthy because my old sheets are a nasty mess? Exactly. Miracle Brand is making it happen for us, for me, for you, for the world. And you can try it now. Go to trymiracle.com slash Jeff to try it today. There's a special deal right here, right now for you, the listener. Be sure to use the promo code Jeff at checkout to save 40% off and get three free towels. That's right. TryMiracle.com slash Jeff and use the promo code Jeff. Miracle is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied, you get a full refund. Try it out. Sleep on it for a few weeks. If you're not into the sheets, get your money back. That's how it works. This is America, baby. Or, you know, or wherever you're listening. I mean, it's insert country here, baby. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Brand. Go to trymiracle.com slash Jeff and use the code Jeff to claim your free three-piece towel set and save 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Jeff. And thanks to Miracle Brand for sponsoring this episode. Okay, why don't we talk about some video games now? Roller Drome just came out this morning. I have played a little bit of this. It's, gosh, so uh, let me get some of the the kind of, uh, you know, the, the it's, this is from Roll 7. So this is from like the Ali Ali people, and it does involve skating, but it is not like, hey, check out this three-dimensional polygonal Ali Ali. I mean, that would just be Tony Hawk, but it, it is, it does have a little bit of that. Private Division's putting it out. Uh, which is, you know, it's like what, like a, a piece of 2K. It's 20 bucks right now on discount. And it is a roller. You are on rollerblades and you have guns. And um, that's a very cool concept. They give you a slow motion. Uh, you know, basically, like if you pull the left trigger, you'll kind of go into like a bullet time sort of situation. 
so you can slow down and line up your shots. But the aiming is handled relatively automatically once you get close enough to a target and kind of aim in the general direction. You're really you're really not going to miss. And basically, they have you racing against the clock to kill all the enemies. And so they will put enemies around. More enemies will spawn in as you go. And they've built these very basic at least in the, in the early game the the levels are very basic it's like here's some quarter pipes on the sides of a big area you know some kind of fun boxish sort of thing in the middle and you can grind on the 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 coping at the top of the quarter pipes and all that sort of stuff and 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 move around that way there will be snipers that target you from a distance so you have a dodge button you can dodge that stuff if you get it close to the enemies that have bats you can tap that dodge button to dodge those attacks as well but dodging kind of takes you out of the flow of doing tricks there's only really one trick button like you 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 know you can grab you hit the x button while you're in the air in different directions you'll grab you can also grind as i said uh and doing tricks will refill your ammo so it's this push and pull of okay i've got to shoot these guys and then that's all my bullets and i need to make sure i'm doing some tricks ideally you are doing tricks as you are shooting because that just looks cool so you're kind of like launching off the quarter pipe aiming the camera around, pulling the left trigger to go into slow motion, dumping on a couple of idiots, and then landing in a grind and, you know, continuing to to skate on towards the next targets as you're refilling your bullets for the next kind of salvo. Um, you're timed in this, so how quickly you get it done is something that then weighs on your score. And they also put challenges in the levels that'll be like, oh, you know, hey, there's a there's a combo icon here. Do uh, this type of combo near this icon. There's a trick icon here. Do this type of trick near this near this sort of icon. And so you're kind of completing these. It's it's light Tony Hawk challenges. Um, I, I guess I would say in in this situation. And the it's got this big cell shaded kind of look to it. The cell shading is probably not the actual. Um. Now it's yeah like there's there's a there's a a, a cell shaded sort of uh look to this game. I'm going to I'm going to go with that. That might not be 100% correct on the what I would refer to this art art, art style as. Um but but yeah, like a a a cell shaded esque sort of thing and um it's really neat and it is really clunky in some very specific ways. So, man, I am really torn on Roller Drome. It, I, I am going to keep playing it, and I am having some fun with it because it is a really cool idea. Sable is the yes, yes, Jimmy, aka me. I, I could not pull the name of the game. It has a similar art style to sable if you remember that game not the not 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 you know not uh brock lesnar's sable but you know the the video game sable um and it's so you know you are aiming all over the place so you are moving in a direction and you are using the right stick to aim but you are still moving in that direction and so I'm finding that it, you know, it doesn't seem to auto recenter and, and it doesn't. So I'm finding that I will leave the camera turned and then skate off in a direction. I didn't even realize I was aiming in and, and, and then get just get disoriented, I guess, from the directionality of it, of, of the, the shooting one way, aiming another sort of thing. And 
that's you know it, obviously like the more you play of it the more you will get used to that but it just feels like something that should have like a a better a better gameplay solution to some, I, I don't i don't know i'm i'm finding that aspect of the game very as a as a longtime tony hawk player i'm finding that aspect of the game to be really frustrating um that i'm constantly skating off in a direction that, that that i'm like wait why oh right i'm i I rotated the camera over here to shoot these guys and did not rotate it back. And now here we are. It'll kind of cheat its way into the, the aiming the right way, but it's just, yeah, I don't know. That's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit funky, um, on the edges, uh, on that stuff. Like there's some really cool ideas at play and they've, they've wrapped it in a story where like, you're a new, you're the newest roller drone player in town and you had to take out some kind of, horribly restrictive loan of hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to do this. And so, you know, you're, you're, you've got to pay off the loan, you know, it's crushing corporate capitalism is a factor here in the video game. I mean, um, and, and so there, there is that little bit of story. There are other people that are other roller drone players that you, you know, you, you get some, a little bit of, of storyline at the very beginning of the game. And I assume that that kind of peppers along as you go, uh, and and work your way through the ranks to become you know like the you know the world's greatest roller drummer or or whatever it is, um, and I don't know it's um I, I'm gonna play some more of it we'll we'll probably stream some of it uh, this week maybe maybe tomorrow on Wednesday um, I will play some of it so you can get a look at it for yourself um, but yeah the the shooting the the shooting and, and doing tricks is actually not that difficult because they give you lock on targeting like when you aim in the direction of a thing a, a cursor appears over the enemy that you will definitely hit every time you pull the trigger and you unlock a shotgun and some other stuff like that um and then also on top of that anytime you pull the left trigger it will start to you it'll, it'll pop into slow motion and so that is what keeps it from being too much all at once because you can launch up in the air aim turn around pull that trigger to go into slow motion pop off all the shots you need to pop off let off the trigger land and it recharges very quickly, so you can you can kind of always be going in in out of the slow motion, the bullet time, if you will, uh, to to make sure that you're you're lining up your shots. And so it, that aspect of the game is really well done in a way that's almost too easy <laughs> in a sense. And and so there are you know you do have opportunities to shoot at distances farther than the lock on targeting will work, and so you can kind of actually manually aim at distant enemies and hit them in some situations, but that didn't seem effective at all. Um, like it's, it's the sort of thing where it's like, yeah, you can do it, but you should definitely get over there. Um, and, and, and make it happen with the lock on targeting. Um, and of course there's the, you have to build up the memory of always making sure that you are doing tricks because that's the thing that regenerates your ammo. Uh, and I found that that's most effective at least in the early stages, grinding is the thing that refills your ammo super quickly. So you kind of want to try to grind from place to place. If you just jump up and do, you know, a quick grab and a 180 or, you know, if you land some 540 or something like that, you'll get like four bullets back. But I think you can hold up to 12 with the pistol. Um, and I forget what this, the shotgun situation is. But but yeah, Roller Drome, it's it has a lot of very neat ideas in it. And... So far, I would say in the in the early game, I don't know that those ideas are coming together as cleanly as I would like, and that is what has kept me from 
playing a lot more of it like going through the intro and kind of getting through the tutorial and stuff i was like oh this seems awesome and then i got through the first couple of levels and i kind of felt myself falling away from it I was like this is neat but i don't mm, doesn't feel it does not feel as good as i hoped it would i guess is is, is what i would say based on some of the pre-release kind of trailers and, and just the the overall i think it, it's an awesome looking game um, and you get, you know, in, in the later levels, you suddenly get guys, it doesn't take long, actually, before you've got guys with rocket launchers and there's helicopters flying overhead, just all kinds of shit popping off. And so that's really cool. Um, like presentationally, I really love the the look of it. it. It's got a really neat vibe all around with the, between the music and just the, the, the overall presentation, but the, the gameplay part of it, I am, I am very on the fence about. So, so yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take a, maybe a, a little bit of a look at it, uh, this week on some of the streams and, and, you know, you can, you can see a little bit more of it for yourself. It's, I'm going to tentatively say it's really cool, but it's, yeah, there's something about it's just not coming together, uh, for, for me right now. Um, of course, Spider-Man remastered came out on the PC and, um, it's gorgeous. I am it is I am so impressed with how it looks and how it performs and it shouldn't be this is something that should be relatively obvious at this point. I think Sony has gotten a lot better with its port work and and Nixie's worked on this one and, and they've done fantastic work in the past. Sony was probably smart to buy them if they were going to get deeper into the PC business and you know being able to, to play that game you know, uh, relatively free from compromise here on this nice 1440p monitor with a really high frame rate and and all this ray tracing turned on and and all this other stuff. It's a really, it's a really great looking game. I, this remaster looked outstanding on the PlayStation Five already, so it, you know that it's not again. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm saying anything that that should come as too much of a surprise beyond like you know, or, or, or it's all that useful informatively, uh, other than saying like. This seems like a really good port of the game that can play on a variety of, uh, you know, it, it, you can get that thing running really well on a Steam Deck, which is pretty awesome too. And so the that game's ability to scale up and down depending on your hardware, you know, it, that's great because it means a wide variety of people are going to be able to play that game. However... As you get into Spider-Man Remastered, speaking as someone who played, I'm going to say, two-thirds of that game on the PlayStation 4 and then went back and started over on PlayStation 5 and also played through Miles Morales, the first Spider-Man Remastered, that first Marvel's Spider-Man video game, is so bogged down with all of its fucking collectibles and mini games and just so much just stuff. There's the stealth levels and just like all of this stuff that you're like, oh man, this game could have been so much better if they had streamlined all of this stuff out of it. And guess what? That's what Miles Morales is. Miles Morales is such a better game pacing wise and just everything about everything about miles morales the game the character the story i think is so 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 much better than spider-man remastered that 
having just Spider-Man remastered be available on PC and not Miles Morales sucks. <laughs> oh, um, that yeah, Miles Morales is is a, I I think a, a really and is is a really awesome game, and they really. I don't know if it's paying attention to feedback so much as it is like playing their own game after uh, after it came out and 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 you know maybe settling and go like oh we there's there's too much uh, there there's too much stuff in this game and I don't, I don't necessarily mean that you know because like hey who wouldn't want more stuff in a game but like I there's so much stuff in that Spider-Man remastered that is just in its own way and through the accessibility options there are things you can do to say like oh just hey um just skip just skip this stuff um when when these puzzle things come up just let me skip them and so you can kind of get through some of that stuff a little bit more easily if you decide to uh to move in that direction but like you know you, then you're like deliberately skipping past content and that's a little weird on its own miles morales uh, yeah i think it's uh it's just such a better story it's a more entertaining character it, it, it's it's a it's a different take on the whole thing but like more importantly that than that, it is streamlined down to the stuff that makes that game great. That makes that game just really great. And I thought that that was the best thing that Miles Morales did. And and so going back to going back to this first game, going back to Spider Man, is just like, oh my god, really? Come on, I don't want to do this. Like I just I just don't want to do this. Uh, yeah, no. The, Vertigooster in, in, on the Discord says that yes, the Miles Morales has the thing where you're making the mixtape and you have to go find the the different sounds and and, and all of that stuff. And I, I that that stuff's, I you know, collectibles are collectibles in any game, but I, I think that that Miles Morales gets that stuff in check a lot more than that first game did, and that first game just feels very bloated. I think and um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I found that stuff to be hard to go back to. And so I kind of started playing a bunch of Spider-Man remastered going like, oh, this is so great. I'm gonna I'll play through this game again. Sure. It's it's been a it's been a long time since I played any piece of it. And and then as I got deeper into it, I was like, Oh shit, man, I this is a really cool looking game and it plays with the swinging and all this other stuff. It has so many things going for it, but boy, oh boy, I do not want to do all of this other stuff. And I think I'm, I'm, I, I checked it out. It runs really well. And, uh, I think that's cool. I don't know if I'm going to play much more of it because at this point I, I've played through the first chunk of that game this is my third or fourth time through it between well no i guess it'd be third time because i played it on ps4 and then I, I played it on um you know ps5 and yeah you know that stuff is is really hard to go back to in the wake of miles morales it's just miles morales is just a better game top to bottom better storytelling more relevant interesting story um you know really great looking costumes like they, they just you know they they nail it so much better it's such a tighter game that uh yeah it's it's a little bit hard to come back to um quickly want to mention i have not had too much time to play this but i'm really just kind of like giving you a preview for stuff we'll probably take a look at a little bit later in the week uh is a first person shooter called adaka 
That's an all caps A D A C A. And um it's uh it's got a really interesting look to it. I'm over here kind of like looking at the trailer again. Like it's 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 aspects of the game feel like low poly and very stylized, uh, without it being like a you know, it's not a voxel game. It's not, you know, it's not like it's super chunky in, in those specific ways. Uh, there is a demo for it if you want to check it out. But you do have, you you get an arm pretty quickly that lets you kind of do gravity gun type stuff in terms of like pulling stuff in and, and shooting it out. And and that aspect of the game is is really cool. Um, and that's 25 bucks. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty neat first person shooter, a big campaign game. Uh, that I am I'm finding to be pretty cool. They bill it as like an old school first person shooter, and I guess that's true in a sense, but it doesn't necessarily feel um it doesn't really feel old per se. And I'm trying to see if this game is an early access. It doesn't look like it is, but at the same time No, okay, yeah. So yeah, the the one build uh came out in July and then they are still working on something called episode three and then uh, something called zone patrol content. So there's a, uh, Oh, so more content for zone patrol, which is a, which is a mode in the game. Um, so yeah, they, they, it looks like they're still going to, to add more stuff to the game. Um, it's just got it's got a really neat look to it, and it seems it's it's not a corridor crawling shooter from the looks of things. There's a little bit more of like you're kind of exploring a a wider world and then using your gravity gun and and you know stealing other people's guns and, and you know it just feels a little bit more sandboxy. And we just don't really see a lot of games like that anymore, so that's why it kind of stuck out to me. Um, definitely want to check out more of it. I have not, I, like I said, I have not spent a ton of time with it, so very preliminary take on that i suppose um and uh and yeah we'll we'll get a little more in, into that looks like yes it looks like it is potentially made by a single person um is it cyrus pendrake is the name on the publisher and developer on steam here serious yeah anyway my eyes i'm gonna go see an eye doctor but i couldn't get an appointment until the end of this month i think it was no actually it might have been this month or next month or something like that. I have not seen an eye doctor in a very long time. And I have a feeling that eye doctor is going to say like, you should get glasses. And I'm going to be like, yeah, my eyes aren't very good. I, they're fine for most stuff, but sometimes reading my eyes don't work so good. So I'm over here like leaning in on my third monitor over here to see uh, this, this developer's name, but yeah, um, Adaka seems really cool. Seems really, really cool so far. So uh, I'm going to get into a little bit of that. That'll probably be something we check out a little bit later this week also because I want to I want to get back to it. I kind of got distracted with some of the other stuff that came out, including Rumbleverse. Uh, let's talk about Rumbleverse on the other end of our final ad break for the show. We'll be back in a moment. If you believe in having sex, say hell yeah. This is where you say hell. If you believe in having sex, say hell. Fuck yeah. Now this is where you say you say that 
When I say X, you say E, and then when I say X, you say sex. S. X. Let's go. All right. Now that we have uh, properly gotten into things here and really um, paid a proper homage to Luther Campbell, it's time to get serious. That's right. I'm talking about hard cocks and fucking with them, using them for fucking. Let's not, uh, you know, let's not sugarcoat it. I mean, if you want to sugar, look, hey, I'm not, I'm not here to kink shame or anything like that. I'm here to talk about Blue Chew. Confidence can take you far in life, and it can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate, and that is where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take these tablets anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process super simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And hey, this is all done online. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to talk to him and be like, hey, my this, this dick ain't doing what it should be. This, this, it should be doing more. No, just handle it online. It'll show up. Shipped discreetly to your door. These tablets are made in the USA, so they're showing up fast. You don't have to go wait in line at the pharmacy. Get it where you live. That's what Blue Chew is all about. So, hey, if you're out there and you're looking to get it going, and by get it going, I mean have sex. If you're looking to F, if you're looking to bone, if you're looking to get it on, if you're trying trying to do some some screwing, you know? And it's not, you know, it's not happening the way you, you want it to. You could use a little bit of extra confidence. You could use a little bit of extra action downstairs. Give Blue Chew a, a try. Check it out. Go look at the service. Go look at the website. Go over to BlueChew.com and see it for yourself. They've got a lot of information there for you to take in. Uh, you know, it's to sign up for the consultation. Uh, talk to them about what you've got going on. And they'll let you know if it's right for you. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And here's a special deal for you, the listener. Try Blue Chew for free when you use the promo code Jeff at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Jeff, to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. All right, we're back. Let's talk about Rumbleverse. It's, oh man. So Rumbleverse came out, I guess it was last Thursday. So here we are Tuesday. It's been for a little, a little bit less than a week. Um, and I, I still really love Rumbleverse. It's been awesome uh, having it out. I, I went and spent some money on cosmetics because I was like, well, They've got these Legion of Doom fucking spiked pauldrons in here. I guess I've got to buy those. I need to, I guess I should own those. And and so I bought a few looks and, uh, and I've been playing the game and have been getting worse at it as time goes on. And because more and more people are getting good, good at it. I haven't, it, it, and, but more importantly, I have had nothing but trouble getting that game to work on the PC. Um, I've mostly been playing on PlayStation five and, and obviously they've, they've been having, if you, if you've been following it since launch at all, um, 
they have been having some matchmaking issues and 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 you know queue times are a lot longer than they should be and, and all of that sort of i mean in the in the vein of like sometimes you will hit that button and sit there for five or six minutes and then it will find you a game and that's not great that's that's pretty bad uh so they have uh they have been working on that stuff and it sounds like they've got a little bit more work to do on that they've done some maintenance and, and made some changes and and all of that sort of stuff but on the pc i have been and i don't know what the actual issue is but i have not been able to get the game to run reliably um sometimes it will pop up and, and and i'm not sure that this is the game or if this is so i i am running the insider build of windows or one of the the insider track builds of windows the beta build it's not that far ahead from retail so it's not like super crazy but it, you know it's it's got uh some extra stuff in it here and there um and i remember game guard the shitty anti-cheat stuff that was in fantasy star online 2 sometimes would not work well at all or not work at all if you were running a an updated version of windows that they were not aware of and so i'm wondering if the easy anti-cheat stuff built into rumbleverse is um is tripping up on this i like i've been sitting there trying to diagnose the problem I was like do i have something weird running and one time i closed a a, a thing like a mail a, a an email assistant thing that runs in my tray i i closed that out and then the game launched right up and it was like weird so like sometimes what it'll do is i will not to just like sit here and just like file a bug with you the chat but uh here on the podcast but like when you launch the game it will pop up and and say like oh it's you know it's like the easy anti-cheat window and saying like waiting for game and then that will disappear and it will just sit here on the desktop for sometimes three minutes sometimes 20 uh, sometimes it'll pop up an error and say like, ah, the easy, easy anti-cheat had a problem creating file error two, and, and, and it'll bomb out there, but sometimes it'll just sit there latent in the background thinking it's trying to load Rumbleverse, and it just won't happen. And then one time I quit something that was in my tray. And as that thing in the tray was closing, then boom, the game launched. And I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? Uh, is that the problem? And so I uninstalled that. But it, that that didn't fix it either, and so I don't know. There's just a bunch of weird, weird, weird stuff happening for me on PC that, like, I've been digging around, going, like, someone else must be having this problem somewhere. And I went to their Discord and filed a like they have a, a thing to I, I I like the the support thing on Twitter is like you should go to Epic's site and file bugs, and I went and did that. And they wrote back and said, like, you should go to their Discord and file this one because fucking I don't know. Um, and so I went and did that. And then a moderator responded and said, you should post this in game feedback. You, this is for bugs. This is this is not for game feedback. And I was like, I just wanted to write back and go, motherfucker. I'm talking to you about the client not launching. That sounds like a bug to me. That's not like a, eh, the, the, I don't know. The, the stop sign seems overpowered. You know, it was like, yo, man, it just doesn't load. Uh, so I. I don't know. Um, whatever it it's, uh, so yeah, anyway, I've been playing on PlayStation five, long story short, I have been playing on PlayStation five and a little bit on the Xbox. It's pretty much the same across the board. Um, and it's awesome. I, I really like that game. Uh, I, again, I'll say every time we've talked about the, every time we've talked about the game, I will say I am friends with some of the folks over at this studio. So just know that. As we're as we're going through this, I just want that to be out there. That ain't a secret. Um, 
and so so I have known about this game for a really long time and and all that sort of stuff. But I I, did, I am having so much fun with it. The only problem is that the best part about a battle royale game is the idea of when you lose, you just go, all right, one more game. I got to get back. I'm going to get back in there. One more game. But with the matchmaking times being really all over the place right now, uh, this launch week has been, it's been really hard to, to do that because you you get in situations where you're just like, all right, I'm gonna jump back in. And then you hit the button and you're like, oh, right. This is going to sit here for minutes. Uh, before it finds me another match. And so, you know, obviously they're still working on it. They, they, they have had a lot of updates over the weekend on the back end. And so it sounds like that they are working kind of around the clock to get that stuff fixed, which is great. But yeah, it should be a situation where you push the button and get back in a game and, and you're out there punching and kicking and doing that stuff all over again, because that's, that's the best way to experience that game is, is the, you just kind of flow through it. So whatever, I suspect they will get there. Right. I mean, this this is it seems like epic is behind this they're doing the publishing and and you know iron galaxy has been working on this thing for years and they've already made some some really good you know updates and or, or but they, whatever they, they've made updates to the game they fixed uh oh i almost wish that they didn't fix this because it looked so fun and i never got i didn't get to do it but so if you're unfamiliar this is a melee focused battle royale game with a, a wrestling theme um, and the, the combat itself works in a very, uh, rock, paper, scissors, kind of manner that you would expect from a fighting game without necessarily, fo- you know, it's not like you're throwing fireballs or, or anything like that. It, it's, it's kind of like you get your special moves and you hit one button to do them. It, it's, it's, it's not hyper complicated from a gameplay perspective or from an execution perspective, but you have a lot of options at any given time. Um, and you can pick up stop signs in the world and and hit people with them. And also in the game, the tops of cars are like trampolines. And so I guess, and, and, and so there are situations where, you know, like verticality plays a huge role in, in Rumbleverse because you get to do cool shit like dive off of a skyscraper elbow first and try to drop it on somebody or, you know, when you hit your special move, it, it bounces up, you know, you, you jump up into the air for a big spinning pile driver. And if you land that on the roof of a car, you will bounce up again and again, you know, and so you can kind of keep these things going. And so height ends up playing a role in damage, I think, to some extent. Um, and I guess what people were doing is there was something, some, they overlooked some specific situation where if you got a stop sign and did like a diving attack with it onto the roof of a car... You would bounce, and then you could bounce again, and then if you landed from real height with that thing after a couple of bounces, you were doing more damage than the super move would do in some cases. It's uh, it's crazy. <laughs> um, and so, like, seeing clips of that, I was like, oh, man, that looks so... Like, it, did, it didn't look super easy to pull off, but I guess it was too easy for people to pull off. They, they issued a hot fix to correct that, so that's no longer in the game. Um, I guess you can't, you don't have air control with the, with the stop sign the way that you used to, because basically like it made it too easy for you to do those bounces and land those things. So I wonder if there are situations where you just could naturally find your way into those bounces and, and land just right. If you could still do it, but now it's just much harder to do, or if they, if they nerfed it, nerfed it and it just doesn't do damage the way that it used to. I'm not sure, but, um, 
there are a lot of really great moments in that game and you know we we streamed one of the last the the last like pre-release beta test technical test thing that they did and there are just awesome scenarios where you are just like landing that elbow off of the top of a big skyscraper and nailing it just right or you're um you're getting like the giant swing and you're grabbing people and you're flinging them into the ocean which knocks them out immediately or there's a big spear and the thing that I ended up doing is I speared someone I think off of a building and then spear we I speared them all the way out of the play space and we both died and uh that was all aw- it was awesome it was awesome like amazing moments even in loss where you're just like that that was incredible that's really dumb that that just happened and i want to get back in there and do this again and so that's why like right now the the matchmaking time stuff um and i haven't tried today i don't know if it's gotten better today or not but like i was i was playing some yesterday and it was definitely like too long to get back into a game like that needs to be like ideally you know you're you're back in the lobby or whatever the the pre-match the pre-launch lobby within like 15 seconds or or, or less or something I, I don't know but um you know i i you'd have some cases where like again the, these are bugs they're working on but like you know the situations where it's like you're waiting like seven minutes and then it pops up an error saying like we couldn't find a match and you're like fuck god damn it i guess i'll hit the button again because i really want to play it also it has duos now which i I have not tried, but it is they they've made some balance changes for the characters themselves to basically when you go two v two, um, and that sounds really fun. It sounds like something where you would want to be communicating, and that's not, um, I don't know. I I, well, I, I definitely want to try it out. I have, I have to try it out. I I have not tried duos at all. That sounds like it could be really fun, um, but I you know I've I've only played it alone, so so I can't really speak to that too much, um. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's awesome. It's been fun seeing it get out there and, and starting to see like it it's a re- it's a really fun game to watch clips from. In the same way that like you know, having those crazy moments in game are are a ton of fun. Like watching some of the weird shit that people are getting up to is really awesome. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's. It's, it seems really cool. I don't know. People seem way into it. I, I'm really curious to see how it will do, right? I mean, you know, everyone, I think, kind of rolled their eyes when, because that initial trailer didn't necessarily, didn't necessarily make it clear off the bat that it was a Battle Royale style game. And so you have people that kind of naturally roll their eyes at that because that genre has kind of been, I don't know, done to death is maybe a little extreme, but I, I get why people are are tired of that style of game but this being melee focused and like fun and weird and expressive in a way that like there are things you can do yeah expressive like you know like there there are you there are naturally like ways to combo things together and you know like once you get better and you're like oh that guy just did a wall splat and that means i can combo him again and and kind of like the the way you can you can kind of string things together as you get better at the game is really awesome in like that fighting game kind of way, but without the kind of high bar to entry that you get in in some fighting games. And so, 
Like, I think that they are really on to something here. And I'm really curious to see how the public kind of takes to it now that it's out there. Because again, that's been the thing. Like, you know, I've played it off and on through different tests for a very long time. But like, this is fucking fun as shit. I think this is really awesome. I wonder if people will get into it. I wonder if, if people will, will, will give it a chance and, and if they will truly understand why it is so awesome or not. Uh, and, and so that's been the thing I've been wondering. And, you know, it's like on some level, like, you know, we'll, we'll see where, where it goes, but like, um, I don't know. People seem like they're into it so far and, and that's been cool to see, uh, cause it is a really neat game and, and I've been having a really good time with it. I just, I need to play more of it faster, I guess. Um, it's also been interesting to see people. So I, you know, like seeing people complain about different aspects of the game. So I found myself like digging deep into like different places where people were talking about Rumbleverse because I was trying to get it running on the Steam Deck. And someone posted on Reddit saying that they had gotten it running. And so I'd messed with it a little bit and, and couldn't get it running on the Steam Deck and, and couldn't figure it out. And I was like, ah, well, someone smarter than me will come along and say, here's how you do this. And then someone said, like, here's a screenshot of it running. And, and I did this to get it to go. And um, and they got it running on 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 without installing Windows. You know, that's the, the that's the cheap way out install windows fuck that um but i tried the method that they that they posted and couldn't get it anyway so i found myself digging into all the different areas where people were talking about rumbleverse and it's fascinating to see people complaining about like oh the super does way too much damage and this does this and you know it's and and having played quite a bit of it at this point and watching people complain about those aspects of the game and just being able to sit here and be like actually you just don't know how to counter it because this counters this and you're, you need to do this. If they're doing this and you keep fucking up, then you're making bad choices and you need to do this instead. And, and like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's neat. It's free to play, uh, get in and give it a shot. They're launching their first season later this week with, and so it'll have, you know, they, they've got a cosmetic store and they'll have a battle pass and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it is, it is free to play. So you can get in there and, and you, you do get a good, decent amount of, cosmetics and stuff to dress yourself up up with and stuff um along the way without without spending any money um i i spent some money on it i just it felt like i should uh because i wanted those spiked pauldrons so damn bad i was like no yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna put some money into this and I'll, I'll probably i'll take a look at the battle pass probably buy the battle pass and all that sort of stuff but yeah uh give it a look um and and see what you think i don't know like uh, people have been asking if we're gonna do if i'm gonna do any more streams um of Rumbleverse, and I've done a couple already. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I would be down to do like a duos stream um, for sure and, and try to get into that a little bit. And, uh, you know, maybe if, you know, if I can get the back the ability to do like private matches or something like that, maybe that'd be fun. We could all get together and, and knock people around, but, but we'll see all that sort of stuff. Um, what do you say we get into some news? Now they can get back to what truly matters. Dive kick two. Why are you know why aren't on the back of the success of Rumbleverse, can we get back to what truly matters? And that's dive kick two. You know? I would love to I would love to see I don't know how I don't know how many people are in my boat. 
but I would love to see a sequel to Dive Kick. It's hard not to laugh when I say that, but I mean it. I mean it sincerely. I would definitely be interested in seeing a follow-up to Dive Kick. There is a Dive Kick reference on some of the unlockable stuff in Rumbleverse as you kind of get uh, new... You know, Apex does the thing where you can set the different um, counters and say, like, this is how many eliminations you have. This is how many wins you have. All that sort of stuff. You can kind of build your little player card. Uh, one of the... I think it's the border. I, one of those things has a thing in there that just says fraud de- fraud detection warning. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. All right. Nice. Anyway, in the news, CHQ Nordic uh, had a showcase uh, showing off some of their upcoming games. This is where the AEW Fight Forever trailer made its official debut, but that thing leaked uh, last week, and so that that already happened. Uh, and they they just kind of showed that and, and didn't really talk too much more about it other than to say it would be playable at gamescom and that's cool i'm not going to gamescom but someone is so someone will get a look at that game and that's neat uh really curious to see how it'll go i don't know that it's it's a it's a wrestling game made by ukes and so in my head i'm pretty sure i know how that goes and i don't think it goes good not to say that every wrestling game ukes has made has been bad uh, when they when they started making that SmackDown series, it was a breath of fresh air. It was so much fun, and they did so much cool stuff. But then once they settled into that annual rhythm, they really did grind all the fun out of that thing pretty fast. Um, so hopefully by this, you know, th- them taking some time off and and having it wanting to take it on a different approach and trying to make something that's a little bit more accessible, I can only hope that they hit upon some kind of new formula to make a good fun. Like, uh, I guess, traditional wrestling game. You know, if if we need a word to separate it from something like Rumbleverse, I guess traditional ends up being the word there. But they do have a bunch of weird mini games and other stuff in there. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I, would, I would very much like it for there to be a good, proper wrestling game. But they seemed, it's, it's like they went and got the people that made the SmackDown games and then told them to make a game that is evocative of Aki's N64 games, which they didn't make. But, you know, and then they went and got the guy that directed those games, I guess, and, and tried to bring that person into... It's just a weird... I, I don't know what to, what to make of that whole thing. Um, they also um, announced a reboot of Alone in the Dark, which um, I don't think I knew that they owned the rights to. I'm trying to think who last held the rights to Alone in the Dark. I think it was Atari via Infogrom, you know, because Infogrom's became Atari once they bought Atari and then they rebranded and all that sort of stuff. Um, This is coming from a Swedish studio called Pieces Interactive, according to VideoGamesChronicle.com. And they have been working on it for four years. And it is a third person single player horror game. Um, and yeah, I that's uh interesting. I don't know. Alone, alone in the dark. I thought that first game when it first came out was uh really uh crazy ahead of its time, and then Resident Evil came out and really kind of just um made everyone forget about Alone, alone in the Dark forever. And different companies tried to make Alone in the Dark happen again over the years, and it just sort of didn't really 
Uh, I don't know that they ever really found a way to make Alone in the Dark matter. But, you know, in this day and age, all the, these, these years later, like, that's that's cool that they're going to do this. They're billing it as a reimagining of the series. So, um, neat. We'll see. I don't know. The, the, the stick-out game for me is a game called Recreation. And this is... This is a game that has lineage back to the Burnout franchise. If you remember a game called Dangerous Driving from a studio called Three Fields Entertainment, uh, which was kind of the crash mode from Burnout spun out into its own game. Um, Or was that... Anyway, they made a handful of different games. They made some VR games for a little bit there. Um, Three Fields has, has made a bunch of small games, and they... The the pitch that they told you know the, they told me and this is the studio that you know Alex Ward who you may think of as, as you know one of the faces of the Burnout franchise for a good long time um you know one of the one of the the people at Criterion Fiona Sperry like you know there's a a range of a, a, a small team in place but a small team that has quite the credentials when it comes to Burnout and then later on under EA making some of those Need for Speed games um that their whole thing was, okay, we're going to try and make these small games uh, at first here because we know we can get them out quickly and we can get some money coming in. And then the goal is to keep making bigger and bigger things until basically they're making, you know, I think the idea was that they would do that. Dangerous driving two was going to be something akin to like a burnout paradise type of open world uh, driving game. But yeah, they know they did, they did dangerous golf. They did a couple of different, driving games one that was kind of like traditional track-based burnout and then one that was more like the crash mode type of stuff um none of it really came together as well as i wanted it to they had the the neat idea of you know instead of going out and licensing a big soundtrack because obviously the burnout games you know ea ea spent a lot of money on soundtracks uh, for sure. And so some of those games had very iconic soundtracks. And so they just integrated Spotify directly into the game um, and said, hey, yeah, no, you can uh, just if you can, you can make it play girl. Uh, you can make it play that Avril Lavigne song over and over again if you want to. Uh, that's that's on you. Go ahead and do it. So they they had some interesting ideas and they were they were cranking out these smaller games that like every one of them, dangerous golf, all that sort of stuff. Every single one of them was interesting. And you look at it and go like, Oh, there's like really cool ideas here. And it also, you could see it kind of adhering to some very basic principles in terms of like, we want to make these arcadey style games that are incredibly fun, very fast, but also have leaderboard depth or things to do that make you want to replay them. Like, like trying to build in some, some genuine replayability. And so they were kind of off to the, the races and, and doing that and, and doing it well enough. But I just, again, I just think none of those games was quite good enough to really drag me in for a long period of time. And so they announced dangerous driving two, and then didn't really have much to say about it. You know, obviously the pandemic happened. I, I want to say they had something they announced it in 2020 and then it kind of, Anyway, they had a good long time of, of really not um, not having much to say about Dangerous Driving 2 other than like, hey, we realize we have not had much to say about Dangerous Driving 2, but we are still over here working on a game. Here's most of our team out for the, out for a walk with a dog uh, and, and stuff like that. 
And so literally like the day before this THQ Nordic thing, I found myself like digging through. I just, it came to me. It was just like, what the fuck is three fields doing? Is three fields still exist? And so suddenly I'm on LinkedIn looking it up and like, I feel like I haven't heard from them in a very long time. I hope that they survived this pandemic and I hope that they are still out there making the next great driving game or, you know, something like that. And then literally the next day, and I did not know anything about this. It was just, I just, the THQ Nordic thing is like, oh, by the way, here's the next game from Three Fields. Now it's called Recreation, W-R-E-C-K, um, which is a fun pun, I guess. I think it's it's a better name than Dangerous Driving 2. And I don't know if this is just directly Dangerous Driving 2 or if this is, you know, new ideas came to it that made it its own different thing. But if you look at this trailer, it is full of like loops and corkscrews and all kinds of crazy Hot Wheels type shit. And, you know, some, I'm going to say track mania-esque looking levels in some spots, but that's, it's not, I don't think that they're making that type of game per se. Um, and so it looks like it, you, you see some of the things there. So when I first just saw the name recreation, I thought like, oh, is this, this is the next game from the Wreckfest people. They're making something that is a little more fun and silly than even Wreckfest was, I guess. And it was like, oh, wait, no, it's not that at all. So the, the name, I think, is is slightly confusing in that one specific way. Not that Wreckfest owns the word wreck. But um, but I did find it a little weird that, that it, is, it is kind of in that same, you know in that same lane they are licensing some music i don't know it's it's gonna have they they claim it's gonna have uh 16 channels of an old school fm radio dial and it also will have spotify support um we'll see what they end up licensing for it uh this is from uh polygon's recap of the the event that it'll have different events that that line up pretty closely to some of the stuff you would think of as being uh, things you would do in a burnout game like drift, catching air, near miss, stunt, crash, and time scattered throughout its open world map, which they call the mix world. And it looks like it has a block based editor in there where you can kind of make your own tracks and put in your own jumps and and all sorts of stuff, uh, even as other people are in the uh, like as events are taking place and stuff. So um that sounds very interesting. Uh, they didn't necessarily give a launch window for the game, but uh, Polygon did notice that Amazon put up a listing that made it sound like it would be out sometime this year. And so I'm very hopeful for this. I'm hopeful that this is the game that uh, that that Three Fields has been trying to make all along or, or that this is going to be the, the big game that kind of puts them back on the map. Not necessarily because I want that, you know, but but because I I want a good arcade style driving game, and these are the people that made that are, are partially responsible for some of the best arcade style driving games ever made, bar none. And uh, I want to see them get back to doing that because I think this business needs it. I think uh, I think the culture needs it. Uh, we we need a good awesome fucking open world crazy driving game and i would love to see recreation fill that hole uh and i think that, that they are they are probably capable of doing it and we'll see you know uh yeah we'll we'll see how this ends up going but i'm 
very excited to see them kind of back on the map and and with a game in the works and, and all of that sort of stuff you know like the the market for driving games has become so sterile uh it's not that's in i don't well maybe that's look i like forza horizon a lot a lot a lot like those are very good games but they're not fucking crazy they're not, uh, and, and they've tried to do things with the multiplayer in, in Forza Horizon in terms of bringing people together. It's all really smart stuff, but the handling of the cars and all of that sort of stuff is still very much rooted in reality. It's still very much rooted in like, this is still a Forza game. These are still licensed cars. All of that other stuff is still the case. Acceleration is acceleration. And need for speed yeah we've talked about it i i've talked about it a lot over the years i think this generation and you know and, and by generation i mean like the ps4 xbox one era has maybe been the worst stretch for need for speed ever like this has maybe been the worst generation for that franchise since its inception um because they just they could not hit upon a formula that made it fun. And it's not just because they were open world games because they launched the 360 generation with most wanted, which was a very good open world driving game. Um, but they kept pursuing this whole, like, well, we want all these players in the same open world doing their thing at the same time. And you can kind of interact with them, but maybe not really. And, and they would be aspects of those Need for Speed games that you would look at and go, well, this part is still fun, but the progression around it sucks, or this aspect of it, or you know, the storyline, or just the the like the way I have to play this game is not fun. They are not they are not sucking the fun out of that game enough and delivering it to the player. And I think that's why I'm still so fucking fascinated that EA is going to work on another Need for Speed game because I. Th- I hope I, you have to imagine they've realized because this game's been delayed so many times now and they still haven't really showed what it is. So who the hell knows? Maybe it got canceled again, you know, right? Like I, at the end of the day, anything could happen with that need for speed game. They've, they've been talking about it, but they haven't really had their big, like, and here it is like full on announcement. It's been like earnings calls and leaks and some little bits and pieces here and there. And, and they haven't really, gone all in and said, here's need for speed. And I expect they will do that before too long here. I mean, they have to, or they just need to cancel it and move on. Like, fuck it. Like, I I don't know, but man, I I am really fascinated and really curious to see what the next need for speed is because you have to imagine with all of this time away from it, that they have had a lot of time to sit and think about why it's bad or, or why it went why it got so off track, why it went so off the rails here and just stopped being a great video game. Cause they made some great, like through the 360 era of need for speed, they made some, and some not so great ones, but they made some great need for speed games and criterion was responsible for some of those. Um, so it, it, yeah, I don't, it's, it's really, it's really crazy. When you think about like just, you know, something is as like that you, you think it should be easy, right? You're like, oh, we're going to make another need for speed game. It'll be easy to make another really fun one of those. Apparently not like it's, it's brutal because they made a bunch of very 
bad to middling Need for Speed games over the last five, seven years. And it's really crazy to think about just how far off the mark they, they got with that stuff. So anyway, uh, I'm very interested to see what the next Need for Speed is. I'm v- extremely interested to see what Recreation ends up being as well because we just don't have we don't have a good we don't have a game that goes far enough in the direction of like here's a it uh, here's a game with a relatively sizable budget that is a big fun open world or you know like silly ass racer with cool stunts and tricks and and all this crazy shit even rec you know Wreckfest is awesome but it's it's not that you know it it's not it's, that's not what it's going for they're they're pursuing a very different thing with that um, and Forza Horizon is really as close as we get now. And it's, that's not all that close. When you really sit down and think about it, that's not all that close. Forza Horizon, those games are very good. Uh, and they're better than the last chunk of Need for Speed games. Absolutely. And they have, they have done some really fun shit with multiplayer. I don't think that their, um, Hot Wheels DLC is, is all that fun, but it's not, you know, the, the reality, there's too much reality cre- creeping into the Forza games because of its roots in Forza Motorsport that they can't, you know, I'm not hitting corkscrews. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not hitting weird jumps and, and landing six stunts. And, you know, it's just, it's just not that game. And so when they put out screenshots of recreation and you just see these gigantic fucking weird corkscrews and you don't see uh, rails on the side keeping you on the track, um, you know, that's, uh, that's exciting. I, I really want to see what this team's doing. It's going to hit everything. PS4, PS5. Well, not everything. PS4, PS5, PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. So everything but Switch. I wonder, I suspect we're going to start seeing more and more cases like that where games are getting announced for everything but the Switch. Like even somehow still the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One but not a switch version because they don't want to do the work <laughs> um because it maybe it doesn't pay off for them uh it just feels like the the switch is you know they 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 need to they need new hardware i guess right i mean at the end of the day they they are the the switch is well they they don't cuz the actual the actual situation there is like, okay, let's say that they were doing the work. Let's say that the switch was more powerful than it is now and that those ports could come over more easily. And so more companies were still doing the port work and all of that sort of stuff. It really still feels like most third party games are just not, it's not why people buy a switch for those types of big third party games. Remember when like doom came out on the switch and it was like, that's really neat. I definitely don't want to play it that way, but that's cool that they can do that. It was like when they found a way to run Doom on a fucking tractor, which I guess they did this week. Someone got Doom, got original Doom running on a fucking tractor's computer, which is very cool and silly, but something about them getting the Doom remake running on a Switch just feels like, and it runs on my digital camera. And you're like, that's cool. I'll play it for 20 seconds and go, neat, and then not mess with it ever again because i'll go play it somewhere else but but hey um yeah uh what else jagged alliance 3 um 
Outcast 2, uh, a new SpongeBob game. Destroy All Humans 2 reprobed a remake of Destroy All Humans 2. Remember that last one they put out where the audio was all muffled because they all, they only had the files from the original retail game? That was real crazy. Uh, a game called Stuntfest World Tour. So they announced like two driving games uh, in this thing. Stuntfest World Tour is... Uh, that's in beta right now. If you go to the Steam page for Stuntfest, you can just click a button... And it does the old, like, request access to playtest. And then it goes like, yeah, okay, here you go. And and I downloaded that and messed around with it a little bit. Um, and it's, so it, it starts you out driving a truck. And basically you can launch yourself out of the truck. So you basically, you can, you pick an angle and, and you just burst out of the truck. And then when you're in the air, um, you've got a glider and a few other things you can do. But like the... <laughs> But also, when you get close to the ground, you can also respawn the truck. And so as you're falling, you just go, fuck it, you hit B, the truck forms around you, and then you're driving again. And so you can, it'll, it allows you to create these silly-ass combos. And I don't know that the game is necessarily built around these combos. I, did, I have not spent a bunch of time with the playtest yet. But from just kind of fucking around with the mechanics, it was real silly. Yeah, uh... One man pizza. You're exactly right. Stuntfest looks like something Ubisoft would make and then shut off the service for in two years. Is the perfect sum up of of how uh, of how Stuntfest looks, and uh, because it does have like there's a vibe to it that feels very similar to stuff like Steep and um, whatever the bike game was. The other one, downhill. No, downhill jam. What the fuck is wrong with me? What is the name of that Ubisoft game? They did uh, Riders Republic. That's the one at the tip of everyone's tongue. Um, it it seems like it has a, a similar vibe to to that in a weird way. But like conceptually, like seeing that and doing that, and it was very easy to do. Uh, of like, I'm gonna launch myself because it's like you're you're driving along a track, and then oh shit, there's a huge barrier in the middle of the track, and you're like, I've got to get over this. You're like, oh right. I'm just going to fucking burst out of the truck jetpack, you know, glide over the top of this thing and then come dive bombing into the ground, hit the button at the last minute, respawn the truck and keep driving uh, on the other side of the barrier. You're like, yep, that's cool. That's a really cool thing. Is that going to be cool for 60 hours of like replaying a bunch of tracks and, and doing stuff? I don't, Maybe not. I don't know what the I don't know what the game they're building around that mechanic actually is because I haven't uh, I have not spent a ton of time with Stuntfest yet. But um, really, really neat idea. Uh, they announced a handful of other games. Uh, they're remaking Gothic, which sure, why not? Um, I. I saw that they announced a game called, and I did this before because I don't think that this is a new announcement, but they did show off a game called Tempest Rising. And, um, naturally, I was like, oh, I didn't know that Jeff Minter had signed with, uh, THQ. Wait a minute. Why is THQ putting out a Tempest game when Atari owns the Tempest IP? It was like, hang on a sec. Um, and so. Yeah, Tempest Rising is an RTS um, from Slipgate Ironworks. And Tempest is apparently, according to this Video Games Chronicle recap, 
Uh, Tempest is a, a rare alien mineral. So I guess it's, I guess it's Tiberium. I don't know. Um, I, I think Tempest Rising would be a really funny name for yet another Jeff Minter Tempest game. Uh, Jeff Minter's, I, I, he, I keep saying it, but he is working on another game. And it sounds like from following him on Twitter that that thing is coming along and is, is close to done. I have not seen anything on the actual game itself. And I don't need to. I want to. I I want to see what Jeff Minter is working on, even if the, even if what he is working on is just hanging out and feeding sheep and doing stuff like if you, he's a really he's a good follow on Twitter. Uh, Jeff Minter, if you if you are awake during UK hours or or you just scroll back through your feed after you wake up in the morning, he is always streaming himself feeding his beasties and. Uh, very, very chill, extremely chill. Um, and yes, a a good follow. So yeah, that's pretty much it for the THQ Nordic thing. Um, Jagged Alliance three, man, I, I, I should go. I, I have not gone and watched this trailer. I loved Jagged Alliance and Jagged Alliance two when those games came out. Um, there, if you, if you're not familiar, like these are like turn-based tactical combat games. Um, and you're basically like hiring mercenaries and bringing them into the field to take on missions. And at some point it was like, okay, uh, you know, these, these different mercenaries might not work well together because of their personality traits. And so there would be little things like that, that they would work in there as well. But, um, yeah, I, I played a ton of of JA two when it came out, and um, yeah, um, so them making another Jagged Alliance, like sure they they should they should do that. I don't know that I have the necessarily have the patience for turn based tactical stuff anymore. Though not not the way I used to, but you know, I, I ended up playing quite a bit of those XCOM. Those for Axis XCOM games. But yeah, Jagged Alliance, yes. Uh, yes, uh, Re- Recyclable Psy in the chat uh, on Twitch pointing out that the last couple of Jagged Alliance games have been pretty rough. You are not wrong. But hopefully the them actually naming a game Jagged Alliance 3, hopefully this means that we will see some kind of return to form. Um It'd be great to see that franchise. It'd be great to see that franchise kind of come back in like a, a meaningful way and matter and matter again. Cause those games were, those games were pretty awesome. I don't know if I, you know, like, yeah, again, I don't know if I went back to them today, if I would have as much fun with them as I did then, but, but I sure did play a whole lot of those games. Another game I played a whole lot of is NFL blitz. Um, NFL Blitz is, was Midway's late nineties arcade football game from the makers of NBA jam. And so it was them taking the NBA jam approach to football and they played very fast and loose with the rules. It was like, Oh, instead of 10 yards to get a first down, we're going to make it 30. Cause that just makes more sense for the game. Like they, they fundamental things about football. They were not afraid to fucking just throw out the window and um 
and do things that served the purposes of making it a, a just a fantastic video game. Um, NFL Blitz launched in, I believe, 97, and it was a two-player game. Then the arcade update to Blitz 99 came out in 1998 because sports rosters and the numbers and all that other shit. And that made it a four-player game. And so you could play 2v2, which um, is an entirely different game. Playing duos in Blitz 99. Something about calling it duos made me feel sick inside. Something about applying the modern term of duos back to a four-player arcade game just made me feel violently ill. Um, <laughs> anyway. It was a very different game because you had another player running around knocking people over and fucking up things. And so it, it, it added an, another layer of chaos to an already chaotic game. And... Um, they did a third arcade game blitz 2000 and like gold edition or whatever they wanted to call it. And I, I feel like 99 was the sweet spot blitz 2000 added more plays and a few, and you could call audibles at the line and a, and a few other changes like that. I don't know that those changes were necessarily a positive thing, but generally speaking, I think, I think by and large people tend to think of blitz 2000 as the high point. I know a lot of the people that were at midway at the time, when I talk to them about how 99 is better than 2000, they look at me funny like 2000 has, it's just more, there's just more stuff in it. But I think that more stuff just added a bunch of bullshit to it. Anyway, those three games, the blitz arcade trilogy are the best blitz games. They went on to try to make a bunch of home games and, and a bunch of other stuff. Blitz. The league is a really cool game, but it's too much football. It's too much actual football for its own good. And um the the pick up and play joystick three button like the the arcade experience is something that I think anyone can easily understand. Whereas as you get into those later games they did NFL Blitz Pro which was like wait now you're now you're just making a football game like what hang on now. And then Blitz the League was you know was also still it was too much football. They're going to bring these back. Arcade One Up, the people that make the the tiny arcade cabinets and sell them at Costco. Um they are going to they are issuing one of these that they expect to be out in mid-October. And gosh, so what are some of the features of this? It's going to have 49-way sticks, which that's uh a very specific thing that you need to make those games good the original arcade cabinets the dedicated cabinets had 49 way joysticks so not like full analog but a lot more than your typical eight way stick and so you could move your player in a lot of different angles and directions and it felt great um you would occasionally find machines that had that only had eight way sticks in them and the boards had a toggle so you could if you if you were an arcade operator and you're like, well, I don't have 49 way sticks. I have eight way sticks. So I'm going to use those. You could, uh, you could toggle like that, but it felt like shit. Um, they're building an online leaderboards and Wi-Fi. They call it Wi-Fi multiplayer, which they refuse to just say like, oh, I guess that means it doesn't have an ethernet port. So uh, that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> like, oh, just let me plug it in for better latency. Like, why, you know, hey, come on. Um, 
but they talk about Wi-Fi leaderboards and Wi-Fi multiplayer, um, which is, I don't, I don't, and that's just like a, I don't know why they use that terminology, but I've not, I've not messed with any of these cabinets that they've made in person. I know they've, they've done a few, um, a, a few of these remakes that have had, uh, some kind of online functionality and they've done a ton of these. They did Pac-Man. They did, I believe there's a turtles one, like there's a street fighter one, you know, they, they put these things out for like somewhere between like five and 700 bucks. Um, and they're tiny. They sell a riser and, and with the riser, the thing comes up to about five feet tall. Um, and yeah, I don't know the idea of a four player cabinet and the, okay. I have a full on like 25 inch fucking NFL blitz 99 cabinet in my garage, a full on real arcade cabinet, all that other stuff and crowding around crowding four people around the actual cabinet is a little rough sometimes it's not there's not a lot of room to huddle in there and get to all four of those controls and then on the sides the player one and the player four like tilted at a weird angle that doesn't feel right and and so i always viewed blitz as a two-player game as a as a 1v1 kind of experience um the idea of them reissuing this cabinet that is only five feet tall and then also like here's this four-player control panel like huddling four players around this thing with around this 17 inch screen is just seems ridiculous to me, but it'll play NFL blitz and it'll play NFL blitz 99 and it'll play NFL blitz 2000. If it runs them appropriately, if it runs them properly, that's cool. Um, They've had to make some changes, uh, a handful of different changes. For starters, it is not going to have every single player in it. The game, obviously, you you didn't really see the faces on the models all that much. Um, but when sometimes when you would score a touchdown, they had like you know whatever NFL provided photo of the player would pop up on the screen and say so and so did this for twenty four yards or 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 whatever. But you know to go back and go back to the retired players association. There's a quote from them that Game Informer got that says. Uh, we worked closely with the NFL and, and the Retired Players Association to bring back as many legends as possible. We included all major names like Dan Marino, Chris Carter, Jerry Rice, Jerome Bettis, Deion Sanders, and hundreds more. So the implication there is that they did not get everyone. Um, I'd be curious. I want to know if they got Bianca Batuka. Because hearing Tim Kitzrow just shout out, Bianca Batuka is worth the price of admission. Um... But we'll we'll see. Um, but yes, these are these are the original rosters from the original games, all that sort of stuff. And I, presumably they will just remove those photos and the audio of the players names being said out loud. I don't know. And, and, and you could also see the players name written under them. Like, I think if you tapped turbo before the play started or something like that. So they'll have to change those to just say, like, wide receiver or, you know, some generic thing. I assume that's what a lot of these games end up doing when they have to re-release. But. Um, so there's that. And then also, uh, there's another quote in here to support the NFL's current player health and safety initiatives, a specific set of tackles. And after the whistle hits were removed or edited in the remastered versions of blitz blitz 99 and blitz 2000 while maintaining the level of excitement in the original games. So this is, so they've they've said like oh we have 84% of the tackles from the original game 
Um, and, the, you know, the, that equates to, I forget what it is. It's like they had to take out 15 or so of the tackles. Um, and this is why Midway stopped making those games with the NFL license because they, even when they were making these games originally, the story that I, I believe Mark Termel told me this was that, uh, they would go in, they would go make tackles that were crazy over the top. And at one point that game had like the Quan Chi fucking stomp move from MK4 in it and some other shit like that. Um, and that they would go and take those things to, uh, to the NFL. And then the NFL would like, like look at it and go like, Oh, you got to take that out. And they would, you know, so they were putting in the stuff that was way worse than the stuff that they wanted to show to the NFL, the stuff that they wanted to include in the game. They would make things that were way over the top. So the NFL would put, take those out and then leave the rest of the ones they knew they could get away with in. Um, and seems like a pretty smart way to, to get away with it. Um, but this is, you know, the, the NFL has, has had those sorts of the the back and forth the the pushback from the NFL on that sort of stuff has existed since these games were originally released in the late 90s is my point um and so it only makes sense that the NFL would have changed the things that they deemed to be allowable in this day and age and um i don't know this is this is one of those things that like uh it's a lot of people saying oh if it doesn't have that then who cares and i I will say as someone who has again owned a blitz 99 cabinet since 1998 um and has played let's say thousands of games of nfl blitz i don't give a shit about any of the after the whistle stuff any of the extreme tackles all of that sort of stuff because you know the one move i like to do after the whistle is hit all three buttons at the same time so that it skips right back to play select so that I can keep fucking playing. Um, that stuff that you see once or twice, it's the same reason people in tournaments don't do fatalities in Mortal Kombat. You know what I mean? Like you see it and you're like, yeah, right, whatever. I've seen all that shit. We're fine. Um, I'm there to play that game because that is, I think Blitz 99 is one of the greatest video games ever made. Um, and I was quite good at it. Uh, I have not played a bunch of it in a very long time, but I, I won that arcade cabinet in a tournament at E3 and I, I will say it again. I beat Mark Termel at that game for money. I took money off Mark Termel at that game. I beat Sal DeVita at that game after that, after that E3 tournament was over. Um, so I got I got to be pretty good at it. I never played Mark, Mike Builder, my, the, the the Johnny and all those guys that were at Midway near the end said that Builder was always a straight up murderer at that game and I've not gotten to play Builder. I would love to. Um <clears throat> but I'm so rusty at this point like who the hell knows how that would even go. Um it's been years since I've played that game with people. So I don't know. Like, yeah, you see a lot of complaints about the, the late hits and the, them removing tackles and stuff like that. That to me is just like, I think anyone who is serious about NFL blitz as a video game, that's not something that's going to necessarily get in the way. I, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, yes, it should be the full game. 
I think it should absolutely be like, like given my choice. Yes, of course, put all of the players in it and put all of the tackles in it and fucking whatever. But, um, it's the way that game feels when you are playing it. It is the way that those plays come together. It is the chaos of watching some bullshit happen and having to react very quickly to make sure that bullshit falls in your favor and not in the other teams and all of that other stuff. That is the stuff that makes NFL blitz such a great game. And so if they are going to, I don't know what hardware they put in these things, but if, if it's going to run these games accurately and if it's going to run these games well, and MAME runs these games quite well at this point, if you have a, a good enough machine, um, but you have to use an analog stick to play it. And, you know, like the, the controls are not, it's not the same as a 49 way joystick. It's not the same as, as playing the actual arcade cabinet, which again, most people are not going to care about. I get it. Um, but I care. And so at least they're doing that. It's got 49 way sticks. It's got the gameplay. Presumably, and uh, presumably they are, uh, they are running properly and running appropriately and all that sort of stuff. There's a little bit of footage. Like they have a bunch of fucking videos on TikTok and a bunch of other, uh, promotional clips they've put out that are like filmed off the screen. And some of the clips look fine. And some of them look really fucked up in like a jittery, like something about it looks off to me. And, um, I don't know. I don't know. We will see what that thing ends up being. I, I, I just, I just don't know what it is under the hood that they've, that they've done with that. I mean, obviously it's not going to be like the, the original arcade hardware with the hard drives and all that sort of shit. Um, 600 bucks for this tiny arcade. They put out pictures of like, you know, some of the players they got, uh, licensed for the game playing it. And they put up this picture of fucking Dan Marino, hunched over this arcade game. I will grant you Dan Marino is six, four. Um, but I'm like six, two, I was six, three at a point. And now, now that I'm getting into my forties, uh, properly, <laughs> I was six, two and a half last time they measured me. So, you know, shit happens, but that's still taller than this fucking arcade cabinet. And I really don't want to hunch over this fucking thing, uh, to play it. And I don't want to sit on a stool because I'm, if I was going to sit down, I was going to sit down. And yes, the Slayer one with the other, the other question I have is, can I put an N64 fucking memory pack in this thing? Because you could transfer your plays from the N64 version to the arcade version back and forth. And that was awesome. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I have, I still have a ton of questions. I would love to check one of these out, but I don't know that I want to check one of these out for $600. Um, and also I would really love to know more about the quality of their multiplayer because all they say is like, it's got Wi-Fi multiplayer. And I assume that means over the internet and not between two cabinets because Wi-Fi is really a weird term to use. Um, but I know they've, they've done online stuff in, in some of the other cabinets they've put out. So I assume that means you can play this game over the internet. But I would love to know more about like, is this rollback? Is this like, how is the net code in this? Like, how is this thing built? Like, what do you know? I have, I, I have, I have a ton of questions about it. Um, and I would love to see one for myself, but I don't know that I have ever, I, I think I've only seen these things like in a Costco and you know, they're tiny. These cabinets are tiny and, and I don't, 
it's hard for me to feel good about a tiny arcade cabinet. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. What else is going on? Uh, some multiverses announcements and leaks. Uh, this game has been full of leaks already, but you know we've got a, a few more here. Um, Black Adam and Stripe from Gremlins. A Gremlin is a, a Stripe is a Gremlin from the film Gremlin. I'm from Gremlins Two, I think technically. Um, have been announced for inclusion in multiverses. Uh, no date, but Polygon notes that the Black Adam movie is due in in October. So uh, one would assume that Black Adam would hit the game somewhere, uh, somewhere along the way. There, um, they were originally supposed to have Morty from Rick and Morty out by now, but due to them pushing back season, I believe season one is now underway. Um, but they did push back the start of it. Uh, Morty will appear in the game on August twenty third. I, which one's more? I don't. Well, I, okay. I guess if if the joke is that Morty is supposed to be Marty from like a Back to the Future thing, then he's not the Doctor guy, right? He's the other guy. I can't remember anything about what that guy looks. I know that the Doctor guy looks like the Doctor guy, but I don't. Know. Uh, there's also a bunch of audio in the game that uh, has leaked out. Um, with voice lines for Beetlejuice and the Wicked Witch of the West from the Wizard of Oz. Um, and so they had, they were not in, I, be, I don't, don't believe they were in any of the previous leaks, but uh, those, those audio clips are in the game. Hiding, latent, waiting. So presumably the, they will make their way into the game. I, it's just a crazy, I, yeah, there's so... The, the more characters they announced for this, I, I, we talked about it last week with Ben Pack, but uh, for as much as I felt like I was going to hate this thing top to bottom for all of the weird IP crossover stuff, it's been so ridiculous and so dumb that I kind of can't help but just shrug and just go like, yeah, all right, that's cool. That's fucking silly as shit. Yes, you put LeBron James in there. Why wouldn't you? You did a cartoon version of a fucking game of thrones character for this sure um speaking of iconic crossovers you heard of, have you heard of goku have you heard the good word of goku um there is a dragon ball super and fortnite crossover happening uh, i believe this is going in game is it tomorrow? Is it a little bit later this week? No, I'm sorry. It's out the 19th. Yeah. So a little bit later this week. Um, They are adding a Dragon Ball F- Adventure Island that will have locations inspired by Dragon Ball Super. You will be able to sit down and check out select episodes at the Dragon Ball Super Episode Festival row in Discover. You can visit the new Power Unleashed tab to complete quests to raise your power level and earn Dragon Ball related free rewards. And you can drop into the drop into the Battle Royale Island and pick up the Kamehameha to blast Goku's iconic skill and ride around on the Nimbus Cloud. So yeah, you're gonna be able to fucking ride Shenron down out of the fucking battle bus in this game with all the cosmetics they're putting in there. And uh they put up a, a this this trailer leaked out and then it, it actually hit for real this morning. And it looks pretty fucking good. Uh, 
the idea of you're going to get the Kamehameha and then shoot fireballs at people um, seems pretty good. It's in the game this morning? Okay. Cause the, okay maybe the Adventure Island stuff is not going to hit until the 19th. Because the, their own their own description on the trailer says that some of this stuff is not going to hit until later this week. But yeah, so maybe the, maybe the skins are in. Um, I don't know. Anyway, Goku, you heard of this Vegeta guy? This, yeah, I, there's just a bunch of different fucking Dragon Ball skins and all of this sort of stuff. That uh, yeah, I don't know. It it just. I guess I'm, I'm I'm not I'm probably not going to reinstall Fortnite. I'm probably not going to reinstall Fortnite. And I'm probably not going to spend any money on Fortnite either because as much as I want to see I like this is something like these are things I can satisfy from watching YouTube videos and there's already a clip going around of fucking Goku blowing someone up with a fucking fireball. And then hitting the gritty. Um, and that's good. That's good. I don't know. The idea of crossing these things over and like, I mean, Ryu is in that game. So now, now Ryu can shoot a fireball finally, I guess. Uh, you know, John Cena, we've been waiting for John Cena to be able to shoot a fireball and now he can. Um, I know I, I'm not going to, I just don't like Fortnite enough. I just don't like the shooting in Fortnite enough to make this work. And I, I like that they added their zero build mode and kept that stuff in there because I don't like the building. The building aspect of Fortnite is my least favorite part of it. But my second least favorite part of it is the way the guns feel. And that is still, <laughs> that is still in there. So I, it's every time I go back to it, I go, this is, they are really doing a great job with Fortnite. They are. They have really. Gosh. That's uh, there's there's no way to talk about it without sounding like a fucking insane old man. But like you gotta give it to them for this fucking Fortnite thing, huh? Holy smokes! It's uh, it's really awesome, and that's it's you know that's something like the success begets more success in that department, right? Where you're like, oh man, how did they get Dragon Ball in there? It's like, well they got dragon ball in there because they got star Wars in there and they got Marvel in there and they got fucking John Cena in there. Like all of these other licenses in there, they, you know, they have a proven track record for doing really interesting things or integrating, integrating licenses in interesting ways that are not just like, eh, here's a Goku skin. Like, no, we've got a full on limited time mode and you can get the fucking Kamehameha and shoot it. And you know, like, like they're finding ways to freshen up the game at the same time that they are finding new things to sell to people. And that's probably like the, the smartest part about it, right? Where they're just like, Hey, we're going to fucking refactor the Island or in this way to make this make sense. And now you can get fucking, I don't know, the glove or fucking Thor's hammer, whatever the fuck they put in there here, get a lightsaber as a, as a gameplay thing, not merely as a cosmetic thing. And I think that's really cool. I think it's really cool that they do that in a way that, that impacts the entire game and impacts an entire mode and all of that other stuff. And it isn't just, you can buy Goku hair for your Fortnite man. It would be so easy to do 
really shitty low effort integrations in there and it really just seems like when it comes to these big ones they are really going the distance and actually coming up with like okay what would it mean if we if we got goku if we got dragon ball stuff in this game what could we do to change the game up for a while to to make that meaningful and i think that's really great i think that that's that's has to be part of the reason why Fortnite, why, why we're still talking about Fortnite, right? It's just, you know, they, they've done such a good job with the upkeep of that game and, and you know, whatever. I'm sure people closer to that game are going to be complaining all the time about like, oh, they didn't do this, they didn't do this. But like, I think from a, you know, you, you get a little bit away from from that and, and look at what they've done. It It is just astoundingly impressive the number of licenses they've been able to integrate into that game and have it be meaningful and fun and look cool. And in some ways that feels like the, the, the path that multiverses is potentially on, even though they're all, you know, Warner properties, but like finding ways to make those things meaningful and making those things gameplay. As opposed to just now you look like Snoop Dogg. I, I played, I still, it turned out I still had call of duty Vanguard installed. And so last night I fired that up. And, and I had forgotten that Snoop Dogg was in that game and that I bought the Snoop Dogg pack for that game. Um, and I went, went through the store. It really feels like that they have given up on Vanguard and, and they, they gave up on the whole World War II thing in the most dramatic ways imaginable. When you go to the Call of Duty store and start digging through the skins and stuff that they're selling right now. They, you know, they did the Snoop Dogg thing this time around. And they also did fucking the Terminator and also the T-1000. I don't think they actually, I don't know that it actually is a Robert Patrick lookalike, but they did the cop with the helmet T-1000 as well as Arnold. And, um, you can just buy those and you can just play but also some of those characters i believe the terminator which would make sense cuz the terminator is a, a sci-fi kind of guy comes with a fucking laser gun comes with like a an, a, an assault rifle that sh- makes fucking pew 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 laser noises when you shoot it and it shoots out crazy colored tracers and all this other stuff so i jumped into one game of team deathmatch and i was just like oh let's i don't know let's play one more Let's play around a Call of Duty. A new one of those is going to come out pretty soon here. I hope it's good. Let's fire this one up. And so I jumped in and Snoop Dogged my way around uh, shooting people. I got 50 kills. I was the MVP of the, uh, or I was voted the MVP of the match. Still got it, baby. No, I, I, whatever. Uh, but it, the, like, it, it was fine. You know, whatever. I'm playing Call of Duty. But there are other players running around with fucking like laser noises coming out of them as they're shooting their gun. And I was just like, what the fuck? And so I shot somebody that had one and picked it up uh, just to see what the fuck it was. And yeah, I'm running around World War II with a fucking laser rifle as Snoop Doggy Dog. LBC's finest. Just fucking bananas just absolutely bonkers that <laughs> that is i yeah i i uh 
I didn't know what to make of it other than just like, yeah, I guess um, there are bad ways to do those integrations, but also um, it was kind of amazing. But also it said to me, and, and who knows, maybe this is stuff they planned before the game even came out. Cause you know, they, they work on this stuff in advance and they figure out what their seasons are going to be and all this other shit. But when you see Snoop Dogg and you see the Terminator and they did an attack on Titan thing that wasn't like kind of weird. Um, and you see like they're selling right now, they're selling a fucking skin for one of the existing characters that comes with a, a big old fucking pink gun that has a big old anime girl on it. And all this other stuff. You just look at it and go like, Oh, like they, they were never really serious about this world war two thing. And it seems super dumb of them in retrospect to do this, this year when they have a world war two game out, you know, obviously all this stuff carries over into Warzone, where that thing is just a mess of three years of call of duty now anyway. Um, and, and so like all those skins coming together in one game, you're just like fucking weird, whatever. But, um, seeing it in the context of Call of Duty Vanguard, the their attempt to go like, we're getting back to Call of Duty World War II stuff. And then now here we are near the end of their year of content before the next one comes out. And they're just like, yeah, this guy's a hacker and he's got a glowing fucking skull for a face. And he comes with a weird, cool laser gun. And then here's a, this is girl's got an anime rifle. Also, you can get Snoop Dogg, and he's smoking weed. And if you do the fucking kills with him, he smokes weed. And that's the game they're making. And so, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it's they just need to do away with all of the fucking pretense. And, and I guess they have, but like the when they launched Call of Duty Vanguard, they tried to make that seem like a big deal, right? They're like, this is World War Two, and there's a fucking I don't know if you know this, but Hitler's a bad guy. Some people seem to have forgotten that lately. So we're going to make a World War II game because fuck them uh, and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then you load up the store now and you're like, I, mm, all right, I guess I could be leather jacket, Terminator, boots and motorcycle, all that sort of shit. Um, so I don't know, like uh, the, they almost, and, and maybe Warzone two will be a little bit better at, at like, they need to find a way to bring all these things together in a way that doesn't seem broken or maybe they don't, maybe they don't have to care, but like I seeing all the characters that are available in Warzone now after these number of years and then they all go away. Right. Presume I, I, I think they have said, I don't know this for sure, actually, but I believe they have said that all of the shit you bought in Warzone will not carry over to the next Warzone when they when they replace it with, you know, Warzone 2.0, whatever whatever it is. But uh, yeah, they, they have gone on the record and saying that nothing carries over. That sucks. But also, I get it. I don't know. It ain't fucking Skylanders. At some point, you need to get Bruce Willis out of the game. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, so they, they need to start from the get go with some kind of premise for Warzone that allows for whatever they want to do without it seeming weird. Because when Warzone, when it came, when it came time to 
put out Vanguard and then suddenly they were like, oh, right. Now we have to integrate a bunch of fucking World War II-esque shit into this Warzone game that has already gone kind of crazy. Like we already put Bruce Willis in this thing and all of these other modern and like, you know, near future in some cases, weird guns. We have sold a lot of crazy skins for this thing over the years and boy, oh boy, um, putting a bunch, dropping a bunch of World World War II shit into this is going to be really strange. And it was, you know, they, they tried to gin up a reason for it, but you know, it's just, it's just fucking bizarre. Um, Teflon Billy says, remember the people who got upset over Wolfenstein 2's anti-Nazi marketing? Yeah, right? Like, I, I feel like if you're getting upset about that, then it might say a thing or two about you. You are speaking pretty loudly when you say some shit like that, but I don't know. Should Warzone just be its own separate thing at this point? It kind of is. I mean, they're going to put Modern Warfare 2 out, and then they're going to put Warzone out, and, you know, I presume that they will continue to have a situation where if you buy the quote-unquote premium game and then, uh, you know, go to play Warzone, that your premium game stuff from Modern Warfare 2 or whatever will will integrate into Warzone in some way, shape, or form, but they just need to figure out a way to make Warzone feel even more separate than it is now so that they don't have to, they don't have to try to make it all make some kind of weird sense. I don't know. Anyway, Goku's in Fortnite and that's great. That's awesome. They should put more weird shit into Fortnite. They should put more weird shit into all shit, I guess. That's maybe that's the, maybe that's the actual answer is just like, I, let's just, is that me being overly accelerationist about this? You know, is that going to be, am I just like praying for the destruction of licensed video games at this point? Maybe I am. Maybe we just need no more licensed video games. There, I guess that's the thing, right? That Maybe that's the actual answer is like, hey, there are way fewer licensed video games now because they're all just going into Fortnite and stuff like that instead. That's not actually true. Um, there was a fire at Nintendo, according to Video Games Chronicle. No one was injured, but eight fire engines reportedly were called out to their building in Kyoto after a fire uh, broke out shortly after 1 p.m. Uh, on, say, the, the 14th or the 15th um, of this month. They are still investigating the cause of the fire, It's uh, but uh, the what again, Video Games Chronicle has this recap here. Uh, It's claimed that based on the conditions at the scene, it's believed that the fire could have been caused by an electronic device that was being charged. Hmm. Hmm. No, I don't know. It's, it's. That's the whole story. Again, no one was injured and, 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 you know, video games Chronicle and some of the other people that have reported on this story have actually, uh, written a lot more here because Nintendo just kind of talked about emergency plans for disasters, including earthquakes and some of this other stuff. Like some of that stuff came up in their shareholder Q and a, and, um, and so they were just recently talking about disaster response and all that other stuff. So, um, glad to hear no one was hurt. Uh, it just burned down all of the design docs for the ice climber reboot. So unfortunately that's getting canceled. So, Desks and chairs in a room on the third floor were partially burned in the fire, but no one was injured. So, so yeah. 
Um, we talked about, you know, yeah, that Spider-Man remaster came out. People are digging through those files as people are wont to do when something comes out on the PC. And this is also uh, according to Video Games Chronicle. There's, they're digging some interesting files out of it in terms of um, the ability to link your Sony PC purchases to a PSN account. Which is something you can't do currently, but maybe is something that they are looking to do at a later date. Allow Basically like, you know, hey, you own the PC version of this link your PSN account and maybe you'll get something. And there's a references and files to something called level cap extras. And uh, the phrase PSN linking bonuses is in there as well. So, you know, the, the speculation there is that maybe if you link your PSN account to your game, that maybe you would get some additional skill points. Um, also references to PSN account linked and PSN linking entitlements. Uh, entitlements is a phrase that I th- want to say they often use uh, when they're talking about trophies. And so maybe this is a way for them to have you earn PSN trophies for your PlayStation games. This could also be linked to the, the rewards and loyalty program. The, what are the PlayStation stars program that, uh, that Sony is working on launching. So maybe there's some kind of thing there. Uh, and I guess uh, the, as, an, and a, as an update to this story, they also found references to like a PlayStation PC launcher. Um, which is, which is weird. Um, and, and so there's not a lot of detail on what that is. It's just, it's just people finding reference again just references in the files to something called a playstation pc launcher and um maybe this is something they will use to help with the psn integration and all that other stuff or maybe they're gonna launch their own storefront so you can buy the games directly from them that wouldn't be good uh maybe a situation where you could buy it on PlayStation 5 and get the PC version for free. I doubt they would do that. They would love for you to buy those games twice. Um, so you can really only speculate what a PlayStation PC launcher could be. It could be something where they're like, oh, we, we want to have that PSN integration and this is how we're handling it with this external kind of launcher that handles the tie-ins or something like that. But hopefully they are not planning to launch their own fucking store because Jesus... Um, it feels like we just solved or, you know, we're slowly solving the problem of too many stores, right? I mean, Bethesda shut theirs down because, you know, now now they're part of Microsoft and Microsoft is on Steam and, uh, you know, even, even Call of Duty this year is launching on Steam for the first time in a while. So even Activision is like feeling the heat a little bit. I suspect that's more of a case of like, boy, oh boy, we should put this game in front of more people so that more people buy it because not enough people bought Vanguard. Holy smokes. Help. I bet that's the the, the driving decision there. Um, you know, and there are thin versions of some of the other launchers like EA games are on Steam. Uh, Ubisoft games show up on the Epic Store and they still kind of integrate their launcher in a certain type of way. So, you know, maybe this is just some kind of friends list multiplayer sort of cross play thing that they're working on to make sure that your PSN account is tied up appropriately on these PC games. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. That's uh 
but you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully they're not going to launch their own store and pull all this stuff out of the Epic store and out of steam and all that stuff. I just, we've, <clears throat> we have, uh, well past the point of, of doing new store launches and, and, and all that other stuff. So, and I, I don't know, we'll see what they, what they do. Sony is, uh, Sony can be weird that way sometimes. Um, that's going to do it for news. Why don't we move on to emails right now? Podcast at guard.bike is the email address for you to send in those emails. I have pulled uh, a chunk of them here for us to look through. And I'm going to go back to this spot here. Um, OO writes, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Olivier from Luxembourg. Yeah, that's an I. That's an extra I in there. Looks like more than Oliver. Uh, what is the best game for the Atari VCS? Now, I know you're, I, I hope that you're not talking about the, the actual, I hope you're talking about the Atari 2600 and not the actual Atari VCS. But I don't know. Um, if we're talking about the the twenty six hundred, the original Atari VCS, I'm gonna say I like Pitfall. I like Pitfall as an answer to that question. I think Pitfall is a, an awesome game. It looks great. It plays really well. A lot of that early Activision stuff. I think Kaboom is really cool. Uh, River Raid is outstanding. I like Keystone Capers. But, um, I think that shitty Spider-Man game, I don't know. I I think Spider-Man's kind of cool. I think that shitty Superman game is good. I like it. Uh, yeah. Warlords is a really great multiplayer game, but yeah, I'm going to say Pitfall, maybe even Pitfall two, if you like an open world kind of romp, but I don't know. I I would not play that version of Pitfall two. I would play the Atari home computer version of Pitfall two. If you're talking about the Atari VCS which is the the thing that came out in like 2021 that I bought and promptly forgot about. Um, I have no idea. I got a press release um, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but I got a press release for a new game releasing first on the VCS and was like, oh, right, that thing still exists. Um, a lot of these, I think these, these recharged like Gravatar recharged and some of those other games I think are debuting first on the VCS and then coming to steam. So there's that, but, um, but yeah, uh, he did not specify in the email if he means the actual original proper VCS or this weird or this weird thing they put out a couple of years ago. So, so I don't know for sure, but I am going to say you're talking about the original Atari because who would ever ask what's the best game for the Atari VCS and mean, the new, the new one. That's not, that's not a thing. Um, Garrick from Grand Rapids writes in and says, I spent my wedding night watching slam ball. Like, Oh, is that what we're calling it now? Hmm. All right. Uh, we organized, set up and cleaned up our own wedding. By the time the dinner was over, my poor wife was absolutely exhausted. So she went to sleep early and I stayed up and watched TV and slam ball was the only thing worth watching. 
on the plus side, our entire wedding only cost about $4,000 from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah, I forget how much our wedding was. We we ended up doing setup, uh, some setup ourselves, and we we set up our own backdrop and 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 some other stuff like that uh, the day before. But uh, no, unfortunately, we didn't. We were not able to watch. We were not able. We did not watch Slam Ball that that night. But I mean, if you got if you're if you're gonna spend your wedding night watching TV, I think there's you do a lot worse than watching Slam Ball. That's for sure. Let's see. James from London writes in and says, "Would you still recommend uh, the Steam Deck? Would you still recommend getting one if you don't intend to monkey around with any of the emulation or getting non-Steam games to work or etc." Perhaps it just comes down to the Steam games in your library that you would still want to play and are also compatible. Granted, that will be different for everyone, but thinking of the Steam Deck as a more consoleized device or experience, do you still think it's a good purchase? <sighs> I, th- you know, a lot of the fun I am having with the Steam Deck is around like getting weird shit to work on it. But yeah, I, I think that there are, uh, you know, a lot of games work on the Steam Deck, and a lot of games work on the Steam Deck with very minimal tweaks. Like literally like you're just going into a menu and, and changing a toggle and then it works. You know, it, it's uh, it's very subtle stuff for a lot of the games that are that are already on Steam. <clears throat> and I think I would. I think there are so many games that run on it really well um, that even if you weren't going to install a bunch of weird stuff on it and we're just going to use it as intended as like here's the Steam experience and go in there and do that. And you're never going to SSH into it. You're never going to, you know, copy files over manually or do any of that weird shit. I do think that the Steam Deck is still really cool at, you know, at just running a lot of games. And, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think I, I'm, I'm going to say that's, that's still, I'm going to say that's still worthwhile. Um, Chris in the UK with another Steam Deck question says, with publishers now announcing, hey, this is Steam Deck verified on day one, do you think there will be a shift in the way PC games and ports are going to be targeted or made? In the last year, I can't think of any game where I thought I needed to upgrade my PC for the best experience. It feels like the new does it run crisis is does it work on Steam Deck? Um, I don't think that the Steam Deck is necessarily, well, it depends on how many they sell, you know, like they've, People have tried to estimate the numbers out there, and I saw someone trying to say, like, oh, it seems like they maybe sold about 100,000. Based on the, the if you go into the Steam hardware survey results and look at the numbers and, and look at, like, okay, this percentage of people are running this flavor of Linux, and so if we know that the overall Linux audience is somewhere between 1 and 1.5 million, I forget what the math they were doing was, but they tried to break it down and say that somewhere in the neighborhood of 100,000 Steam decks were out there in the wild being used. Uh, they did just announce this week that they were going to start sending out more and more shipping notifications this week. Uh, so that sounds like they're even going to get through that queue even faster. And that's cool. Um, but do I think that like, you know, Steam Deck related marketing for software is going to matter? I don't know. I think right now there's definitely a hunger for, I think pl- there are the people that own Steam Decks are definitely like, hey, 
this game just got announced and has Steam Deck support. That's great. I'm gonna and it's reminding them that they can do that, and that's kind of cool. So like Spider Man did that. Um, you know, you remember Outriders recently got updated to have Steam Deck support. Um, Roundabout, Hundred Foot Robot Golf. Those are recently on, I believe, the Steam Deck verified list. So more and more games are kind of going through the process and coming out the other end. Um with with steam deck support but you know for smaller games it probably matters a lot right because that hundred thousand is like that's a huge number for a lot of smaller games games that are selling millions and millions of copies that's still a meaningful chunk but a lot of those players are maybe going to buy those games anyway and maybe they already own them on pc i think it remains to be seen if the steam deck will really matter in terms of hey we added steam deck support to our game and thus we sold X amount more copies. Like, I don't know. I don't know that that story, there are really those dots to connect just yet, but we will have to wait and see how that all goes. Uh, as more and more steam decks get out into the wild and how many they end up selling, you know, when does the steam deck become something that you can just click a button and it shows up three days later? You know, when are we, when do they catch up? I guess is, is the question. Like how many, reservations like now they're opening up to more parts of the world so you have people you know in japan that are able to now pre-order a steam deck and and do all that sort of stuff so you know they're they're getting it out to more places and and getting more of them out week by week which is cool and they're also fixing a lot of updates and 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 and, you know coming a long way on stuff the the big complaint in the steam deck community lately has been offline mode and what happens when you push the off go into offline mode button when you don't have network connectivity apparently it leaves your steam deck in a really fucked up state where it can't run games well it's just weird funky stuff around the edges there that yesterday they put out a preview update that kind of solves a lot of those problems they, they they acknowledge that there's still a lot more work to do on that front but they are addressing that stuff relatively quickly which is kind of cool to see um and so yeah, I don't know. I think that thing's awesome. Uh, it, when when Outriders came out and announced, hey, we have Steam Deck support now, it got me to re-download Outriders. Would that have gotten me to purchase Outriders? Probably not. But it would have gotten me to think about purchasing Outriders. But since I already owned it, it was more just like, ah, yeah, all right, sure, I'll play some more of that. I want to see how it runs. I'm curious. Like, I'm still in that that phase of like, I'm curious to see how this big game runs. You know, this big old console game, how's it run? You know, because like Vampire Survivor, you know, there's there's awesome smaller games that run really well on there because, of course, you know, it's it's a pretty powerful little device. And so it runs a lot of that stuff really well. Outriders, you know, it, I, I would say it ran acceptably well. I had to make a couple of changes in the settings to get the resolution right and some, some other stuff like that. But like, um, oh, and also it, it didn't run for me at all for a while <laughs> where they said it works and then it just would launch to a black screen they ended up patching it again and um and now it works more reliably for me but yeah that I, i'd say that's maybe part of the problem as well as you know i i would be curious to see if some developers are seeing a little bit more uh if they're seeing more frequent refunds for games because of like oh i bought this to try to check it out on the steam deck and it doesn't work right or it it doesn't run well enough for me or you know like like whatever it is um, I think they could do something 
uh, something they could do for Steam Deck owners that don't want to fiddle with PC game settings is it would be nice if like somewhere on the Steam menus outside of game, if they just had like pre-configured settings and you could go in there and be like, okay, I want to run this at the highest visual fidelity that it can run at um, while still hitting 30 frames a second. Or, hey, I, I, I just want 60 frames per second. You can turn off as many different effects as you want to get there. I don't fucking care. Just make sure that I'm hitting 60. You know, having having different toggles like that, um, similar to the way that you can... So, like, you can, you can configure the gamepad however you want and then share that with the community. It feels like they need, like, almost, like, community-shared settings and stuff like that. Because a lot of people talk about, like, 40 frames per second is the sweet spot for Steam Deck. And if you can configure it to do this and do this and and i've never jumped through the hoops to do that and um i think one of the steps they need to do eventually is like you know that's something they could put on developers um and have developers put together is like hey we've come up with a low medium high or just or just like a a frame rate like the the thing that fucking console games get honestly is the prioritize frame rate prioritize image quality or or whatever you know whatever you want to call it um and just let users choose those settings from outside the game. And, you know, you should never have to go into the options setting the graphics page in a game. I think that would be something unless you really want to get really into the nitty gritty. I think it would be nice if there was just like, here's some presets that are going to be great for 90% of players. And if you want to get in there and fuck around, you still can, but we're going to come up with some good presets Right now, you see see people sharing, like, you know, Digital Foundry put out something that was like, here's the settings for Spider-Man. And you're like, great. I should be able to push a button and apply those. I shouldn't have to, like, go read Digital Digital Foundry stuff and then go in and go, like, okay, I need to set this to on and this to off and this to low and this to 4X and this to that. Um, I think that would be great. I think that that seems like a no-brainer sort of thing that they should eventually do. And... I suspect they will eventually do it, but I, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm just guessing. So, uh, let's see here. James from New Hampshire writes in and says, I don't smoke weed, but I just saw a copy of high times and it got me thinking, if you were to rank people by total THC consumption, what does that look like? The first three unordered that come to my mind are Willie Nelson, Snoop Dogg, and Tommy Chong. Please add anyone you think is missing. Hmm. Like lifetime. I feel like the lifetime THC consumer Yeah, uh, Snoop and Chong are probably good choices. Willie Nelson, I'm, I'm sure, but I, I I feel like that there's just like people that you know n- that are not famous in any way, shape, or form uh, that have uh, made it their life's mission to be as high as possible as often as possible. Yeah, be real is probably a good choice. Wiz Khalifa, you know, is he is he a young contender to the crown? I don't know. But I, yeah, I don't know. I think that there's probably people running grow ops somewhere in Humboldt County 
that are just like, well, I've got more weed than I can sell and more weed than I know what to do with. And so I am also, in addition to making a lot of money off of selling it, I am getting high on my own supply. Um, Doug Benson. Yeah, man, Doug, Doug Benson. You know, Doug Benson seemed like a guy that probably early in his career before he had really like made it or whatever, and that probably smoked a lot of really bad weed. And now probably smokes a lot of quite good weed, I suppose. I guess there's no bad weed anymore. Is that, is that, that's the thing that I am led to believe is that, uh, is that, uh, is that the people that are out there smoking drugs are smoking extremely high potency, scary drugs. I don't know. It's not, it's not for me. I stayed in school. I didn't, I didn't smoke drugs. Uh, let's see. Ben in Boston writes in and says around this time last year, some older games were being sold at auction for crazy high prices. Uh, like Mario 64 going for 1.56 million with accusations of shady practices and collusion among the buyers and sellers. We haven't been hearing about these eye popping sales as much lately. Do you think this was a scam that petered out? Was it just a normal collector's bubble that popped quickly or what? Yeah, that's a uh, yeah. We we haven't <clears throat> that Mario the 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 Mario sales like the the original Mario Super Mario Brothers cart and some of the other stuff that sold for insane millions of dollars. Um, you haven't really heard too much more about that, and you you know I I, I think as that goes on, you start to wonder is is that the like yes they were running a scam and yes people got a little too close to figuring it out and obviously the grading companies uh you know wada i think got kind of roped into this stuff and and people are definitely looking at them very sideways lately um but yes the the notion that they are just selling those games to each other in ways that try to artificially inflate the prices we'll see that stuff seemed like a hyper scam to me and it uh, either way it doesn't seem like other people have bit because we we just haven't seen more sales like that we you know it, it seems like that once you get that scam going you want to get the money while you can get it and get the fuck out before anyone figures out what's going on but yeah i don't know people are going back to work and the <clears throat> um you know obviously inflation and all the other stuff you know you that those are things that you know, under normal circumstances would apply some kind of downward pressure on some of those prices because people would not be able to throw around that kind of money anymore. I, I think that a big part of it, probably a big part of why you don't see so much of this happening anymore is that the crypto market imploded, you know? And so you have all these like new money, crypto dipshit millionaires that are out there trying to go like, oh, well, I'm going to expand into graded video games because now I've got all this fucking fake money and now I'm going to go buy an original Super Mario Brothers because to me, that's the most important video game ever made. Blah, 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 blah. Um, And so with those dipshits taking a bath, maybe they are not, maybe they just don't have the funds to get out there and, you know, liquidate enough crypto to go fucking invest in this market. But, you know, the, the story I remember hearing at the time is that, you know, it was a lot of, 
it was a lot of people that felt like they missed the window on comic book collecting because comics just kept getting more and more expensive and more and more expensive. And that at some point they all turned uh, and, and noticed video games sitting over there in the corner and were like, oh, well, maybe this sealed copy of Super Mario Brothers will end up being as important as a mint condition copy of super of action comics number one or, you know, whatever Superman's first appearance or, you know, some Honus Wagner card or, or whatever. Uh, and so it was a lot of people thinking like, well, I could get in on the ground floor of that. And, and they, they drove those prices up. And so that's why the prices went crazy in the first place is because people were speculating on the video game market and thinking it, that it, it will eventually take off the same way that all of those other collectibles did. I think that is probably the case that those will that, that that will eventually happen, but maybe it didn't happen as fast. And so that's why we haven't seen as much, much action. You're right though. I have not heard a lot about this. You haven't heard a lot of talk about, um, graded games selling for insane amount of money and, and, and all of this other stuff. You just haven't really, that chatter has really died down, but at the same time, like there's still, you know, game prices are still up there. Like the, 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 you might not be hearing about these like moonshot crazy fucking prices, but you know, when you go on price charting and start looking at like, you know, the games in like the three to $5,000 range, like, uh, you know, your sealed Ocarina of time, gold cars, like I'm, this is the stuff that I own because of course that's the stuff that I'm looking at. Let's, let's look, let's go, let's load up my my collectors.com app here and update the prices and see what it has to say. That magical chase is really hard to price because there are so few of them in sealed condition that, um, it's hard, you know, not many of them sell very often. So, um, so the price charting list just has that listed at 15 grand. I suspect that game is worth more than 15 grand or I'll put it to you this way. I don't think I would sell it for 15 grand. (laughs) How about that? Um, Let's see. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking through some of my stuff here. Complete in box last blade Two. This is the Japanese version. Uh, This is the home cart version of last blade two for the Neo Geo. They've got that listed at about 3400 bucks, And, you know, that's been roughly in that range for a good long time. Mark of the Wolves is in here at a little under two grand, which is still more than I paid for it back in the day. Um, but it's, it's Neo Geo games. Like, you know, I've, uh, in terms of like stuff that I own, it is primarily these Neo Geo games are the things that have held their, their value. <clears throat> According to price charting, my co- my sealed copy of Ocarina of Time first edition is worth sixteen hundred bucks. All right, that's about as much as my copy of SVC Chaos, which is fifteen hundred bucks, and some of this other stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of Neo Geo games at the top. I've got a sealed copy of Air Zonk that appears to be worth about six hundred bones. Uh, I didn't open Persona 4 Golden for the Vita and I got that collector's edition because I had a digital copy of it that I didn't, so I did, when that showed up, I just didn't need to open it. 
And that is apparently $680. So, I, yeah, I don't know. There's a bunch of silly shit that's worth some money. Apparently, Burning Rangers... Uh, okay, I don't know that I have complete in box burn. No, I, I, I would have complete in box Burning Rangers. Apparently, that's 800 bucks. That's weird. I didn't realize that held any particular value. My sealed copy of Worms Armageddon for the N64, 1100 bucks. Yeah, I don't know. Cannon Spike for the Dreamcast sitting at an even 500 uh, for a sealed copy. Oh, so that dropped. I just updated prices and that dropped from 500 to 487.50. So, oh, got to move these while I can. I don't know. I don't know how that market is. I don't know how that market is going. So, um, but there are still people out there that are uh, the sealed game market is like that's I have some sealed games. I never intended to really own. I've never purchased anything with the express intent of leaving it sealed. Uh, where am I checking? I'm checking these on price chart, uh, price charting.com. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Some of that stuff is, is still pretty pricey. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting market. And, a lot of the recent rises behind it just seem really weird, but you know, it's not like they're going to make any more of those, you know? So they, there is a finite number of them and a finite number of sealed copies. So as people get into this weird space where they somehow decide they want to collect sealed copies of a Nintendo 64 games, I have some of those. I don't know. But I, but I don't really have a good reason to sell other than I need, I, you know, it'd be nice to have the space back to be honest. Um, like I, I, that would probably be the, the thing that would get me to sell stuff, but I think I would get rid of, I would get rid of a lot of low value stuff first. Like I have a bunch of super Famicom games that are worthless because they're Japanese horse racing games and all this other stuff that just like, you know, no collector is going to want them. Um, or no one's going to want them to get them to play them, I guess I should say. So, you know, they're effectively worthless. Um, and so there's a part of me that wants to get rid of like stuff like that, you know, that I just don't, I just don't need. Um, let's see. Julian writes in. And asks uh, and says, recently I found myself reflecting on Disney Infinity as being wildly ambitious by comparison to more recent IP cash-ins and was thinking that it was actually pretty cool. Am I crazy? I know the toys to life of it all put a sour taste in some people's mouths, but the pure scope of that project from the amount of games they generated to the user creation tools and all the variety of things they were trying in the pursuit of creating a long-term solution to support their IP just seems like the kind of big crazy idea we won't ever see again. Not where you can just rent out your movie or IP for a Fortnite event. And isn't that kind of cool and worth appreciating? What's your opinion on Disney Infinity looking back? Yeah, I, I think Disney Infinity was really cool. I don't like Disney. That's probably the catch for me is like a lot of the Disney IP. Um, I just, I don't care about it. Now that I've got kids... Boy, oh boy, I can tell you a thing or two about the, the Frozen franchise. I can, uh, I can talk to you quite a bit about The Little Mermaid. There's been quite a bit of that around here over the years, over the year plus of my daughter 
getting deep into uh, all of that stuff. You know, we had Cinderella on this morning. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ca- catching a lot of, I'm catching a lot of Disney these days. And uh, I wish I wasn't, but whatever. <laughs> no, no, maybe no way to avoid that. I, it was cool. That I, I still have the Tron, the Disney infinity Tron figure set aside somewhere. Um, because that's probably the only Disney IP I really care about. Uh, that and Chris Berman. Um, I think the Toys to Life thing was really cool. I thought it was a really neat idea that, you know, you could get this thing and it would help you. It, it would work across multiple games. I thought that was really neat from a tech perspective. Um, I thought... Uh, I thought Skylanders was pretty cool, but as Skylanders went on, like they made the same promise of like your old Skylanders will always work in the new Skylanders game and all of this other stuff. But, um, you know, the, the, they fell into this trap of like, well, yeah, they technically work, but the new Skylanders get an additional superpower when they level up that the old ones can't get. And so if you're using these Gen 3 Skylanders, they're going to have this and this and this. And, and you know, your poor old Drobot, yeah, he can still shoot saw blades or whatever, but who fucking cares? And um, and so that was unfortunate. That That to me was what killed my interest in Toys to Life was once they started playing this game of like, oh, now we're going to find a way to like, oh, the the level cap of the old Skylanders, that's there. They go up to level 10, but, um, you know, now that they drive cars and shit, uh, they go up to level third. The new Skylanders can go up to level 30. No, you can't upgrade. And they didn't, it's not, they didn't even go and make it. You know, I guess this is to their credit. I don't know if this is good or bad, but they didn't exactly go back and say, we've made a new Drobot that can go up to level 30. They just said, oh, Drobot, fuck that old guy, whatever. And so, you know, they kept making new Skylanders and, and, and going that way with it. And I thought that the original batch of Skylanders were the good ones. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. The, the Disney Infinity stuff, to me, the interesting thing there was all that user-created stuff and the their desire to try to, to make something bigger on that front. And I thought that stuff was was really cool conceptually. And, um, and I thought they did a really good job at kind of bringing all of those different licenses together in in a way that like made sense with the game they were making and and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but you know, at the the end of the day is like, you know, it's like you're kind of getting physical DLC that is attached to, you know, like it's some of that stuff is a little weird and a lot of people try to, um, um, they they try to to rope the toys to life stuff in with like NFTs and and the current kind of blockchain bullshit. But like, no. Um, if anything, I think the way the toys to life stuff worked ended up being proof that you don't fucking need a blockchain or any of this other bullshit. Uh, any of this crypto fucking garbage to make a cross game sort of thing, you just have to own all the IP and do it yourself and all of that other stuff, you know, because, 
it's not like you could go put a Skylander into Disney Infinity. Maybe if the Toys to Life stuff had lasted another decade, maybe at some point you would have seen some fun crossover where they're just like, hey, we we decided to do the work to make this work. And and the answer is no, you, you would not have, have seen this. But like, maybe you could have seen Toys to Life grow in a way that would have enabled something like that. But instead it was just all of these other closed, it was just a bunch of additional closed systems based on RFID chips you know, and Amiibos and all that other stuff for the same basic shit. And, uh, it was a neat idea in its era. And I think that it, uh, it was cool to, to have like this idea of like, because, because that moment actually, and it, you know, it, it was something that I think sometimes I think I should, you know, eventually break this shit out and let my kids try it when they get a little bit older, because I do think that like, and they, you know, Activision will always talk about is like, Maybe I don't know if it's Activision or Disney, but like they talk about it as like that magic moment when you put the character on the portal and they appear in game. It's they're not wrong. Like that shit's fucking crazy. <laughs> like if you if you divorce it from your knowledge of the tech and go like, well, it's an RFID and you know basically there's reading this and and the stuff's already on the disc and installed and fucking whatever. Um, if you remove it from the hows and whys of how it actual work actually works, like. I I think that's kind of cool. You got your little figurine that you can mess around with and, you know, and then you put it onto this thing and suddenly it's in the game. Um that that always seemed really cool to me. I don't know. But you know, they would put out one game a year and you know, I, I yeah, as the as the Skylanders games kind of went further and further and and they just became more and more gimmicky. Um, where they were like, ah, uh, now they drive cars. Uh, so now you can buy cars in addition to the characters. And so you can get a car and a character and put that on the portal. And now we've got a supercharger portal and all this other stuff like that's just They went a little too far with it in the wrong direction. I think infinity kept things in a more sane place, but they also had the user generated stuff to kind of fall back on where like the game I think the game infinity, infinity, the video game was richer and deeper than Skylanders was. And and I think that was, it was neat. It was, it, yes. So to answer your question, was infinity cool? Yes, it was extremely cool. Um, but you know, I don't know, a little funky around the edges. Ben in Boston writes in with another question. It says a few years ago, Nintendo started their big push into mobile, but now it seems they have large, it is largely dried up. Did they mess up? Or is mobile just not suited to the types of games they make? Well, you know, I I don't think Super Mario Run was a was a, an especially good game. I think that that game should have been better and played better. But like, you know, remember they put out that Fire Emblem thing that probably did extremely well. Um, people were all about that Animal Crossing game for a bit, and they have the you know they have their pieces of of Pokemon Go and of Pikmin Bloom. Um, but like in terms of just like, Hey, we put Mario Kart on phones. Like, I I don't know. Like that's, that doesn't, that doesn't sound all that interesting to me. Uh, I think that they, they did their stuff. They did it how they were going to do it. And I don't, I don't think they necessarily, I mean, uh, 
I think that at the time people were like, oh, they could monetize these games in way crazier ways. And I think even shareholders were like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Why aren't you, why aren't you making money the way that mobile games make money? And Nintendo was like, uh, we don't want to do, we don't want to be that kind of company. And so I think in some ways Nintendo is maybe a little ill-suited to truly milking as much revenue out of mobile games as mobile game devs do because I don't think they want to play in that. I don't think they want to play that game. I don't think they want to play in that space as dirty as it can get. So I guess good on them in a weird way, but I, I bet, you know, pocket camp is probably still making them a ton of money. I know Pikmin bloom. I don't think really, maybe those numbers are big enough to where they're making a ton of money, but I, I think like I, I never really heard anyone talking about playing Pikmin bloom. I played it for a week and went like, this is pointless. So yeah, I don't know. They've, they've had a variety of games and I think the stuff that they've put out, they've, they've done good with some of it and, and not great with others or you know, there are definitely situations where they could have done more exploitative things to make those games more successful and they didn't. But at the same time, like, you know, I think some of the stuff they did like Mario run, like I just, you know, not that interesting to begin with, but some people really liked that animal crossing game and but Dragalia lost or whatever. Is that, that's, that's technically them, isn't it? I don't know. Um, a variety of things. Um, Aaron from St. Augustine, Florida writes in and says, not long ago, my uncle found a Sears version Atari at an estate sale along with a handful of games and pretty much pristine manuals. He was super excited to replay the games of his youth on a vintage console. Unfortunately, the power cable has seen some damage and the console won't won't turn on. This is where I'm hoping you could help. Do you know of any trustworthy sites or businesses that do old console repairs? I would like to get it fixed as a Christmas gift for him. It's fine even if it needs to be shipped out of state. Huh. Well, listen, listen if it's if you are sure that it is just the power cable and that the console itself is good, what I would probably do is track down a one of those multi... one of those power adapters that has like nine different connections and has the little switch and slider on it that you can set the voltage and polarity and, and all that sort of stuff. I would go look up what the power supply of a 2600 looks like, and I would use one of those adapters to probably like set it properly and, and make sure it works. Also, I'm sure you could find a replacement if you just wanted to buy an Atari 2600 power supply. I bet you could find one of those online very easily. I'm sure it's identical to the one, you know, whatever the Sears one. I don't think they changed the connection or anything. I could be wrong, but I, but I really don't think they changed the connection or any other stuff for that Sears model. So, so you could probably just get the reg go find a regular ass power adapter and buy one that has been tested and working and plug it in and make sure that that's the problem if you plug it in and it still doesn't work then it's like okay now maybe i need to send this thing out for some actual repair um and and find someone who's actually going to do that work and, and then at that point if you really wanted to you know you could get it modded to have a, a more modern output on it or rgb out or something weird like that you could you could go all kinds of nuts doing that stuff but um but yeah i uh i would start with buy, I, I would just start with buying a power cable as opposed to sending that one out for repair i would probably just try to find a power cable whether it was from some kind of multi adapter or whether it was um 
you know, just you, you finding a new, a new and not brand new, but a new to you power supply that someone else has tested and acknowledges is working and try that out and see how that goes. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. You can, you can check, you know, bust it open and see if there are any leaky capacitors or anything, uh, any other sort of stuff like that. But, um, I don't know. I've, I've, my 2600s still work. I have not had one fail in that specific way of leaky caps or anything like that. So I'm last time I tried them, it's been a while admittedly, but, but yeah, um, I would probably start with just like replacing the power supply and, and go from there. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of details online about what the power supply is and what the voltage is and all that other stuff. So if you ended up finding one of those multi adapters and, and all that other stuff, you could, you could do it that way for sure. Um, Brandon writes in and says, recently I replayed through Red Faction Gorilla. Playing through it brought me back to when I originally played it, and I thought the future of games will have all these destructible environments. Do you think we would ever see a game with that kind of scope anytime ever again? Well, you know, yes, but in different ways. Like, Teardown... Well, maybe Teardown is not that open-world scope, right? So, I guess in that context, maybe not, but... Um, this is something that people said with Battlefield a lot too, when they, when they got into all their destruction and revolution and, and all of that other stuff, um, that people were, were thinking that we would go more in that direction. Um, you know, yeah, Fortnite, you can, you can blow up the things that people are building in Fortnite. It's maybe not quite the same, but, but Red Faction, those Red Faction games, were especially crazy with the way they handled destruction. Even the early games tried to do stuff like that. But Guerrilla, yeah, I, I thought that was awesome, the way they handled destruction in that game. And it felt like we were on the cusp of an era of that sort of thing. And then all the art got way more complicated. And, and so it became, you know, oh, these buildings have so many more pieces in them that if we blow them up dynamically, it will be very hard to maintain a frame rate. And also we can't blow that stuff up dynamically in a multiplayer game because sinking all of that rubble across all the clients is going to bring everything to a halt. And that was like the whole pitch around crackdown three being in the cloud, right? was like, Oh, we're going to model all this destruction on the server side and then ship it back to the clients so that everyone is synced up on that sort of stuff. And they did not build a, a game that required that level of detail, but they tried to do it. And, uh, you know, that was, that was one of the ways that they were trying to solve that problem. So I don't know. We see voxels, you know, we, 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 I think, you know, if you go for a simpler look and all of that sort of stuff, uh, you've definitely seen more destruction in games. And I think teardown is a great example of that. And, and some of the voxel based stuff is really awesome, but in some ways we're still chasing the high of like what, like bad company two or something. Right. I mean, and red faction gorilla is another, another really good example of just like the physics based garbage flying everywhere. And yeah, I, I don't know that we will see it in that specific way ever again, because I think that way only got more difficult as resolutions and visuals and gra- you know, all this other stuff improved. Suddenly all these structures became much more, um, 
you know, the fidelity on those structures became such that like blowing them up into realistic looking pieces became very difficult to do on current console hardware, you know, even current PC hardware to a, to a certain degree. And so, yeah, I, I don't know that we will see a return to that. You know, it's, uh, it's a shame because it felt like that was something that a lot of people were chasing for a long time. And, and it felt like we were all just like, Oh man, this game doesn't have destruction the way this game has destruction. I don't understand. I don't understand why not, but then they, they never really did it. But we see, instead we see like more tightly controlled, extreme forms of destruction, whether it is something like teardown or, um, like what, like BMNG or, you know, just some of the crazy physics simulation stuff. Wreckfest does really well on, on some of that stuff too. And, you know, so in these kind of smaller settings, we're seeing really intense, cool destruction, but maybe not the way you used to. Oh yeah, A1 stakes. Uh, yeah, the, the the control had some pretty cool uh, destructibility as you were flinging shit around a room. Like that was really cool. But again, you know, like much smaller environments, generally speaking, and 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 all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I don't know. It's um, my impression as a non-game developer, as a non-technical individual, is that yeah, that stuff is just hard to do at the fidelity that those games were running at. You know, like the or. or the fidelity that a red faction game would run at in this day and age, right? In terms of just like, well, now it runs at 4K and it does this and we got to do this and all these other, and we're putting this many polygons on screen and blah, 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 that like doing that level of destruction is taxing in a way that it's just not, you know, not necessarily feasible, but that stuff was really cool. Red, that red faction girl was great. It was just, you know, not a difficult game, but just very fun to just like roll around that world and fuck it up. Oh, Really cool game. It's a shame. But I don't know. Everyone kind of spent their tech points in different uh in different situations, different parts of of game development. So they're they're making different choices out there that that make that level of destruction a little bit harder to do. Um Yeah. Man, now I'm just thinking about Red Faction Gorilla. The, and there's the follow there's that yeah, they there was a follow-up to Gorilla it was like most of it took place underground and it was like and you got a gun in that game that rebuilt structures as if that's something you want to do like no i'm here to break shit i'm not here to rebuild shit i'm not here to be like oh we've got to fix this bridge like no bust this shit up let's go that's what i'm here to do so and yes the sequel was a linear thing that was like tied into some sci-fi show or something that thing was a a very big letdown uh, Armageddon, that's what it was called. Yes, Armageddon. The less we talk about Red Faction Armageddon, probably the better. But um, Gorilla, that was a cool fucking game. Even the original, you know, when they were putting out Red Faction on like PlayStation or whatever, and you could like drill holes through the fucking rock with Geomod technology and all that. Even that stuff was really crazy and really cool at the time. So... Yeah, I don't know. Outside of, you know, like Blast Core, like, you know, there's just a lot of fun games about breaking shit. Teardown is the latest and greatest fun game about breaking shit, I think. Uh, but, but yeah, obviously it happens in a, in a very different way than some of that other stuff. That's going to do it for the show this week. 
Thanks everyone for sending in your emails. Again, that address is podcast at guard.bike and uh, keep them coming and I'll keep this thing coming. That's the Hideo Kojima promise. I I'll keep coming. Use the offer code, Jeff. Uh, you'd head over to dopeassvideogames.com or perhaps uh, enjoyyourgaming.com or patreon.com slash Jeff Gerstman. All three of those URLs go to the same place where you can learn more about bonus content or an ad-free audio version of this show that you can get delivered to your podcast apps every week, all of that other stuff. The new episode of Game Boys to Men will appear for $10 patrons and up this week. Uh, I need to spend some time on that. Hopefully I will be able to finish that up tonight and maybe post that either late tonight or early in the morning tomorrow. But we'll be back tomorrow streaming. We'll take a look at uh, we'll take a look at some of the games we talked about today. Adaka and um, Roller Drome. I also installed Fashion Police Squad, which looks like it has potential, but I have not played. And then I also installed Cult of the Lamb. I know people have been um, people have been talking up Cult of the Lamb quite a bit, and I am not sure that I am sold on it from what I have seen of it, but I definitely want to check it out. But I am probably, of games I have not played yet, yet have installed, I'm going to say Cult of the Lamb is probably behind Fashion Police Squad and Arcade Paradise. I want to play some Arcade Paradise because that looks like it would be very much my thing. Um, so we will see how all of that goes. Um, thanks everyone for watching. We'll be back next Tuesday, of course, with another episode of this here podcast. So subscribe to that on wherever, wherever your ass is getting podcasts, podcasts for that ass. Dot com. No, no, I don't know. All right. Uh, throw your gold rocks up in the chat. If you got them, we, we love gold rock around. I, God damn it. I am, I am not going to do this. I'm not going to do this because I, I, there's a part of me that just wants to have a fighting masters stream and just get on fight Cade and play fighting masters for hours and just fucking gold rock mirrors, man, all day. <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, I have been thinking more and more about Jackie Chan and Fistifier and, and Fighting Masters. You know, classic fighting games. I have been unable to stop thinking about those games lately. And so, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I also, uh, hey, speaking of Fightcade, before we go here, <clears throat> I was, I joined the Fightcade Discord for a brief period of time just because I wanted to see, like, what did people have to say about Fightcade in there? And it was a bunch of, you know, fighting game people being fighting game people at each other and I was like Ugh. um and uh calling each other out for various bullshit and not it wasn't all that of course but, but anyway digging through the developer channels I I discovered that it sounds like that they do intend to make PlayStation games that they do intend to adapt Duck Station to work with their netcode stuff and that opens up a new world of PlayStation-based fighting games, potentially, like the Asuka 120% Burning Fest franchise, as well as Advanced VG and Critical Blow and some of this other cool shit to potentially maybe someday be on Fightcade. And I was very excited to read that. It sounds like that's not necessarily actively being worked on right now, but it is 
something that is uh, on their roadmap in some way, shape, or form, and I was fucking stoked. Yes, some slap-happy rhythm busters over the internet? Are you kidding me? Ugh! That would be superb. Anyway, Fightcade is outstanding. Of much respect to the people that work on that, because boy, oh boy, they are bringing obscure fighting games to the world in a way that uh really is just just unbeatable and so i i you know finally after all these years of having fight Kate installed but never really taking the time to get it set up properly and all this stuff we did that fight Kate stream a couple of weeks ago and i'm just i i love that thing they're running a patreon i i i may sign up for that because i just i i want to i just feel like i want to support that thing um so yeah, anyway, support that thing, support, hey, support this thing, patreon.com slash Jeff Gerstman, go check it out, see if you're interested, you can get the second edition of the Jeff Gerstman Hall of Fame right now, what, crazy, and more uh, over there at dopeassvideogames.com. That's going to do it for me here, have a great rest of your week, if you are, uh, if you are just listening to the podcast, or, or but if you're here for the live stream on Twitch, of course, we'll be back on Twitch again tomorrow to check out some of those games, and then all those games end up on, all the, those streams end up on YouTube, so uh, you can go to, uh, go to guard.bike if you want to check out the YouTube channel, and you can, you can do things there that you would do to a YouTube channel. You can you can like it, you can follow it, you can subscribe to I don't think you I don't think actually you can follow it. I don't think that works that way. But anyway, this is a YouTube channel. So you wanna see the archives of the video podcast or whatever the hell else. There's a bunch of videos over there for you to click play on and engage with. So fucking awesome. I don't know, go do that. Uh have a great rest of your week. And in the meantime, I'm gonna push this music button and I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.